0: down am making out
1: whenever possible put on side one of- rock all over you podcast let's rock oh. eric and edwin edwin and
0: eric they don't give a fuck they just want you to rock yeah bam 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 dilly d bam bam bam
2: Alright, welcome back. You don't hear a beer crack because I already opened up my drink. We are back with part two of our Thin Lizzy Top 25 songs. I'm once again joined by my right hand man, Mr. Edwin Castracci, and our special guest, Stephen Kirsch. How are you guys?
3: Hey, doing pretty good. You know what? That first part actually cured my hangover. Oh, I'm back! Oh,
2: you got a drink in your
3: hand? No, no, I I don't have a drink in my hand. I I don't have a drink in my hand, but I actually feel like a human being again. I felt like shit. shit. I felt like such dog shit. But it's funny if you listen to that episode, you'll hear in the first half, I'm like, "Oh, Edwin doesn't sound so good," but (laughs) but by the end, I start picking up again. It's the power of fucking
2: Thin Lizzy, man! It just (laughs) brought your spirits
3: back up. My spirits back up, so I'm feeling better. Plus, it helped that we took a little break and I ate some food and, yeah. and a couple of Coke. I'm drinking Coke Zero. That's what I'm drinking, so I need a little. <laughs> but yeah, I'm back. I, I'm I'm gonna live. I wasn't sure, but now I know. Yeah, I'm gonna live. Gotta keep on kicking around. And uh, this, what's cool about breaking this up into two episodes is we kind of um we. Um, we got St. Patrick's Day like right in the middle. <laughs> like the exactly. first episode, is the week before St. Patrick's, and this episode will come uh, the following Sunday. Will be right after St. Patrick's Day. So, so there you go. So we yeah. got both, both sides of St. Patrick's Day. And hey, St. Patrick's Day, I'll be seeing uh, Uncle Acid in the Deadbeat, so it's Ooh, good time. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Good times then. And I would tell you how the con- the show was, but we actually are recording this before. so <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to so be every- seeing Overkill in, uh, in about uh, three days. Three days now from the time we're wow. recording this, I'm going to be seeing Overkill. So we're, we're seeing a lot of cool shows in the yeah. coming
3: up, I'm seeing Priest with Queensryche opening up for them, and, God, and I that's saw. a killer set list.
2: I I saw they don't have Silent Blue City in the set list so like that's already an amazing set list
3: maybe they're listening to this podcast
2: I think they've been listening to my complaints and they probably read all my letters and they're like yeah let's watch out for this Eric Jordan guy
3: yeah (laughs) I was like yeah that's yeah I looked at that set list and I went this is like a rock Over You podcast yeah uh, set list.
2: <laughs> really great set list. Even the one song they include from Empire is probably the best song off Empire. Uh, the only complaint, the only, if I was to make a complaint, it's just uh, not enough Todd songs in there. But I guess it's, you know, they're opening for priests. So they got to kind of shorten their set list because I do yeah. love so many of those Todd songs. Uh, St- Steven, are you seeing any shows in the upcoming months? Um,
1: I just saw. I guess it was a month or two ago now. I saw with my, da- my daughter, 21, She, we went to see Evanescence with Hailstorm. Ooh, um, it, nice. Yeah, Hailstorm are one of her, well, are her favorite band, and we've seen them together about four or five times in The Great. And I've ne- I mean, I like Evanescence, but I didn't know that much of the stuff, and they were actually fantastic. It was a great show. Um, first time seeing them. Uh, but the, <laughs> you'll laugh, of course. Uh, the tickets that I've got for my next show. Is Maiden uh, they're going to play in, in Newark, New Jersey? Uh, <laughs> is that Oklahoma, a, leg- co- a legacy concert or for supporting the album? Yeah, it, it's the legacy. It's the continuation <clears throat> of the legacy, but they've now in the artwork they've added in the sujetsu, so it's now you know they've. Uh, I guess they're going to be playing two or three songs uh, from there as well, which so, will be half the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they're going to play the single and probably the title track and maybe one other. I, I, who knows with them? But, I, mean,
2: um, I, I love the single. That was like yeah. by the one song I was nice to. I I, I I thought that was a really great song. It was I'm, sounding. I'm actually I,
1: meeting up with, uh you know, Mike Lindmeyer. Um, oh, yeah. nice.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah he, he's a yeah. big
0: uh maiden fan.
1: Yeah, so he's he's driving down. He's going to crash at my place. We're going to go to the show. i got another buddy. That we're going you notice with.
3: I used the politically correct term. Uh, I said maiden fan. <laughs> well, we all know what I really was saying.
1: say. Uh, well, you know. I well, I'm one of those two, so I'm not going to, you just, I kid. I kid.
2: I kid. Yeah. That's the but thing I know, love about our group of friends. We can all fuck with each other, and we don't get all all nah. butthurt about it.
3: If they stopped a power slave, I would say made him was one of the greatest fans of all fucking time. Oh, I agree.
1: <laughs> but that That's the show. I, I mean, there's a few others that I, I may get tickets for. I, I get lazy sometimes. I know Paul McCartney's just announced I really want to go see him. I've never seen him me before. Me too. Uh, he's and, not
2: coming anywhere near me, though, so sadly. And, and Stranger, Rod Stewart's coming as well, and I've never seen him. And He's, he's playing with Cheap Trick. I'm almost like... Yeah. I'm yeah. like, do I want to? Because I'm not a big Rod Stewart fan. And I'm like, do I want to buy a Rod Stewart tickets? Just to yeah, see the trick and leave? Is he, I, is
3: this he doing like the, a more rock
1: kind of show? I don't. You know what? I only. We. I mean, I've always known Rod Stewart stuff, but you know, over the last I don't know twenty odd years or whatever, all Rod Stewart stuff is just you know a lot of those covers that he does and all. Yeah, he that. does standards. Like that's yeah. the thing. I actually
3: lo- I do like early Rod Stewart, yes. and I like stuff with Jeff Beck Group yeah, and, but if uh, you and do, the Faces.
1: If you've heard his live album, I can't remember what it's called, but he's got a live album, like his first one back in the day. And, oh, my God, every song. That is a rock and roll album. And oh, I he really... was a he was a bona fide rock and roll singer. He's a yeah. great
3: rock and roll singer. And those early records, especially with Rob Woods playing, it was really great, and uh, it was great stuff. But, obviously, he moved more in a pop direction, and then yeah. later on, he became, as an older guy, with a raspy voice that ladies liked. You know, all the old women love Rod Stewart. So yeah, he kind of started catering to them and the help my mom like loves those like she's she has those like you know the, i think the roger's great american songbook or whatever yeah, yeah I'm,
1: I'm not really into that stuff so, yeah i
3: don't like that stuff the, either but
1: it's the, like women you know older women love that shit but the way the way the way that i feel <laughs> is that a lot of these guys because also the who i think are coming i've not seen a lot of these guys and and even if i don't like the newer stuff they're not going to be around much longer, and it's like if I don't go and see them, I'll regret it. You know, yeah, um, yeah, because we're coming in our the cycle of music that we like at a time period. You look, look how over the last few years how many legends we've lost that we love, and yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to feel just because I didn't like, you know the last few albums by whatever band it may be, I, I still want to go and see that person because you're not going to get that chance again. So no, I, I so hope
3: I so hope ACDC goes on tour because, you know, Power Up... Is an album that deserves to be toured, you
2: know. On, I agree, yeah. man. That's a fucking amazing album. That was my Christmas yeah. gift two Christmases ago, and I, I fucking love it, man. It, it still holds up. It still holds I've up.
3: St-
2: yeah, and, and, I, I, I want to
3: see them play like at least five or six
2: songs from that album. Yeah, I I've, see
3: I've seen
1: them so many times now, and they never ever let you down. Ever, ever,
3: no. And, and it'd just be great to see Phil and Brian up there, good. You know. Yeah, so I, I agree. I, I so I think nothing would be more cathartic after the the past couple of years of bullshit that all of humanity went through to mm-hmm. see ACDC dc do a big power up stage, <laughs> you know.
2: And I'll tell you what, man, all you people out there, man, if there's a band, especially like a nostalgic band that you want to see that if they're on tour, man, go fucking see them. You know, it's it's you don't want to live with that regret of like, oh man, I didn't go and see them, you know, what was I thinking, because now I'll never get the chance, you know, someone dies or something, you know, yeah. go, f- there, there's a few bands that I regret that I haven't seen that, like, I'll never get to see again now because members have died and are, you know, not continuing on, bands that I fucking love and, you know, don't miss out on, especially, too, with the pandemic, too, a lot of these bands are kind of hurting right now, so I know... I know, definitely, like ticket prices are a little bit higher now. Even for some bands that maybe ticket prices usually aren't as high. Like Overkill was a little bit pricey, but I don't care, man. I want to see this band. I want to see the bands I love because you know, you never know. You never know with these artists we love that they're getting older. Yep. You never know if this could be their last tour or not. And especially with everything we've been through with COVID and shows getting shut down. Now concerts are finally coming back. I mean, go see fucking artists. Go see the artists you love. Do it. Yep,
3: and that's a good segue because Stephen, as he revealed in the, in the last episode, and obviously, if for some weird reason you're listening to this episode first, you made a mistake. Stop. Yeah, please go back and go. go listen back. To part one. Li- listen to part one and then come back and listen to part two. I mean, definitely come back. Definitely, yeah, come the back and join us. But listen to part one first, where Stephen uh, had this great story, and we're not gonna. Talk about it again because we want to actually finally do the countdown. <laughs> but all I will just say is Stephen actually got to see Thin Lizzy back in the day—not once, but a few times. You know, he got to see them with Phil. You know, Lina actually—you know—he got to see that. And how many people? Not too many people, especially people that are like uh, I would say, like under fifty-five. Ha- can say that you know because he saw them as a child right. and it's just really cool and like we were both shocked when he revealed that because we didn't know uh, so yeah. th- how cool is that and that's the thing it's very special i could say you know and i know uh, uh i i know eric you're not a fan of this band i think but you know like it's like when i tell people i saw Nirvana live especially with younger mm-hmm. people they kind of react that way the way we reacted yeah. to this and like I tell young people that I saw Nirvana, and they're like, "Wow, and you, that's you saw First of Life, you know." And when I sometimes when I say I saw Alice in Chains, you know, Blaine, oh, you know, God yeah. damn, Dirt, Dirt Tour.
1: You <laughs> know, I saw, I saw, they
3: open, I they opened, opened with "Dance That River" and closed with "Rooster." Was one of the most amazing concerts I ever saw in my oh. life. I,
1: I saw Alice. I'm not an Alice in Chains fan, but I saw. I'm pretty sure I saw them open for Megadeth on one of the tours in England. Oh yeah, that was probably
3: when people were throwing shit at them. <laughs> I don't know. I remember, it was a,
1: and I had, I had a ticket to see Nirvana when they were going to come to England, and obviously uh, he killed himself, and and I, had to, you know, we got our money back on the ticket. <laughs> yeah, it was a tour. Break. Had, Damn. Yeah, I, I saw,
3: I, I saw him on that. It was that tour. I was just lucky enough to see him before he committed suicide. It I'm was not yeah, actually, couple. I'm not really a Nirvana fan. I just, I, I guess at the time I was okay
1: with them, but you know, but wasn't. I
3: I kind of see you kind of like in America because you like Cheap Trick and the Beatles, and I, there's definitely an influence, you know, kind of a Beatles, uh, a Meet the Beatles kind of influence and Cheap Trick influence on Nevermind. I think.
2: Mm-hmm. I I will admit, man i I used to kind of hate like on Nir- I used to hate on Nirvana and grunge because when I was younger. You know, I was always into metal, but I was, like, you know, I liked a lot of hair metal, and especially in high school, I kind of liked a lot of hair metal. Some of it I don't like as much anymore. Uh, it kind of aged badly, but I was always kind of like, ah, eh, fuck Nirvana, you know, but, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but they do got, like, so many fucking good songs that, like, now that I've gotten older, you know, I've wised up and, like, listened to a lot more of their stuff and realized, wow, this, uh, Really great band, They're not the greatest band in the world for me, but they're phenomenal. I can see why they get so much praise. Really great and it, band,
3: and it was a great show. And yeah, they they literally were taking you know, it was a break on the tour, you know, and he went yeah. to rehab, and then he committed suicide. So yes, so Steve, I it was about two months before he committed suicide. That's when I saw them. So and it, yeah, so yeah, I was very lucky to see that. Yeah, well,
1: you know, well, you know going thing. going back into into the Lizzie stuff when i saw phil like i said in the first episode when i saw phil come on with gary moore i think that was a cu- couple of months before he died so i saw him right at the end you know wow so yeah. you know and it, that's
3: a special thing you know it, it could because that's the thing you've got to see this person live and perform this legend mm. and which a lot of people wouldn't be able to see that there is no older Thin lizzie tour you know with phil you know that's it yeah well you know
1: yeah going on about lizzie tour you know have you have either of you guys seen the lizzie lineup? You know, without Phil, obviously Uh have you, you mean uh, what? What are they called? They, uh, there's different
3: names. Black Star Riders. Yeah, but I well, did no. actually. I, I saw them actually. I saw them really up for. Uh, well, no, I
1: meant as Thin Lizzy. I mean, when you know, before that, they were Thin Lizzy. Oh no,
3: I, I didn't see
2: that. No, I would love I, to see that because I, I love John Sykes.
1: Yeah, you know, I well, I saw it with John Sykes, and I saw them, like I said, with in, you know, Florida when the you know when they played near me and Ralph was there. But then I also saw them a few years later in. Miami they opened for Judas Priest and and I went it was outside it was right by the the water it was like a little amphitheater by the water and I went I went right to the front because there were I mean there were Lizzie fans it was a few people at the front you know but I literally was leaning and it was there Marco Mendoza on base it was I think it was Damien Johnson um, Darren Wharton you know it was and and, you know Sykes and 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 stuff and uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing to see them. Wow,
3: I'd like to see that. I saw Scott's band, the the Black yeah, well, they, I love Black Star, Black Star, yeah, Star Black. Riders. Yeah, yeah they like
1: also opening up for Judas Priest. Yeah, well, they're all friends. I mean, I know. Yeah. But you know, so the thing is, what I was going to say was, you know, about going to see like bands before they, you know, before members die or whatever. So like, whenever you know, I'm in a few Thin Lizzy Facebook groups, and just the other day, somebody posted, I guess, an article or, or a video or something about. You know, they saw Lizzie, and, and it was you know with the John Sykes final, and you get those morons to go no Phil, no Lizzie, you know, and then it gets a whole debate. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, and I I, I, I I usually don't because I can't be bothered, but I did this time and I said, you know, just the fact that it's they're out there spreading the Lizzie music, getting young people to hear it live. Mm-hmm. You know, should they be, the say, if someone said it should be called an evening of thin Lizzie or something like that. Whatever. I mean, you're nitpicking. The fact that it's just a great show, hearing that music live, they do a great job. I know that they're, Scott's left Black Star Riders to concentrate on, he's gonna to tour with Lizzie. Um and I think, you know, I don't know, I think John, I think Ricky Warwick is gonna, he's gonna do the vocals again. And actually, yeah, when I saw them with Judas Peace, it wasn't done Sykes, it was Ricky Warwick and Damon Johnson. Um... But I'm excited to see that again, you know. And who knows how long this music is like 40 years old? It's like just enjoy it. Stop nitpicking about it's not Phil, it's
2: not Lizzie, and blah blah blah.
1: This, just enjoy the goddamn music. Yeah, Go this ain't like life.
2: this ain't like Scab Kiss, you know, where it's you know them milk trying to get as much money as they can. This is just them trying to people that were in that band and put like you know that were in the band for a lot of years and they're just trying to keep that music alive you know well and,
1: you know uh, when they record yeah. the new music they change the name to Black Star Riders and that's fine yeah. I wouldn't want them to record new music under Finn Lizzy because that's yeah like exactly but to go and tour and play all those songs with Scott and and Sykes or, or or whoever's in it, even as long as to me as long as Scott's in it, I don't care. It's, it's easy and easy. <laughs> and they,
3: they mainly concentrated on their own uh, original you know, stuff. They only did a couple of Thin Lizzy songs. I no, no, Lizzy. I'm talking about
1: when they tore with Thin Lizzy. Oh, but, oh, yeah, at, but, but no, but Black Star Riders, they, they, I don't even think. I think at this point now they don't do any Lizzy songs anymore.
3: They did too. They did. When I saw them, they did Jailbreak and Emerald, but that, that was it.
1: <laughs> but I'm saying now they've got like four albums. They're working on album number five. Because I follow Ricky Warwick on social media, and and people ask if you can do Lizzie. He's like, you oh, know, we might do a song as an encore for a goof kind of thing, you know, just a little extra, But basically, the main set they don't they don't do Lizzie stuff anymore. They've moved I guess away from that.
3: The band mm-hmm. using any, I mean, yeah, I personally think like it'd be better if they called themselves like Emerald or something instead of yeah. Thin Lizzie, and and to say like a Thin Lizzie tribute, like underneath that title, like so people knew. But you know, but if you listen, if you if you're this, going yeah. to
1: see if you're going to see that Thin Lizzy and you're expecting to see Phil Liner, then you there's something wrong with you. I mean, who the <laughs> hell, you know, you know it's not. It's, yeah. I mean, so. you know what you're getting for God's sake. I mean, look, all I know is I've seen them twice, They're fucking brilliant, and I recommend anyone to go see them. That's all. And now let's get into this. Now
3: we are doing that. Uh, we did uh, twenty five to twenty one in the last episode, so now we're breaking ha. into one th- a. Top 20, as they say in America. Do they say top 20 in England? Um, yeah, it's the same language, believe it or not. Same language. Funny <laughs> really? that. Funny that. <laughs> okay, so at 20 is I'm going uh, This is a song that I had very, very high on my list, and uh, and I'm glad because it helped it break into this list. It's top 20. It is here we go, drum roll. <laughs> this is the one! <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, what does that drum roll do that again? <laughs> that does not sound like a fucking
2: drum. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like swapping the Goonies. Wait a minute, alright, alright, real quick. Five <laughs> seconds of silence and I'll add in like some kind of weird drum roll sound effect. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> wow, that was awesome!
3: <laughs> that was so amazing! <laughs> Much better than that sloth thing you did. Uh, (laughs) Oh my god! Anyway, that's
2: that's hysterical. Anyway,
3: so uh, that that should be uh, a ringtone.
2: That's gonna be my next ringtone. I'll be my ringtone for Edwin.
3: (laughs) Uh, uh, This is the one. This is the one from Thunder and Lightning. This is the first time we're having a song from Thunder and Lightning. It might not be the last time. Because, yes, that album rocks. It's like the most, I would say it's the most metal in the album. And this is the one. God damn, this song. I love this song. I don't know why more people don't love this song. This is my third favorite Thin Lizzy song. So I had it very high on the list. My favorite song from this album. It's just so catchy. That's the thing. It just got the hook. It's got that. Uh, it's got great beat, that great guitar hook, and there's just it just got swagger. It's, you know, Phil's there with his swagger, and then that chorus, yeah, you know, that chorus, that oh, it's so catchy. It's just ear candy. It's heavy. I love when shit's heavy and catchy at the same time. You know, like there's a pop sensibility, even though the song's very metal. And to me, this like could have been a single. I don't know why it wasn't. It's just a really catchy song, and. Phil's singing is so, just, he's got that swagger. he just sounds so cool, but not try-hard cool, you know? He's just got this easy, cool way of singing, even a hard-rockin' song, that's just very unique. And I, I just... You know, I don't want to gush too much. I want to let you guys talk about it. But anyway, I love this song. It's always been one of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs. I think it's a hidden gem. I'm surprised more people aren't hip to this song. Because to me, this is one of the catchiest goddamn songs they ever wrote. And I love this is the one. What do you think about it, Eric?
2: Oh, man, this fucking song rules. This is the one that fucking makes me put my fist in the fucking air and uh, bang my head. I love it, you know, and... Thunder and Lightning is probably one of my... It's up there as one of my favorite Thin Lizzy albums. Obviously, I'm a huge John Sykes fan. And this is probably their most fucking metal album. And it's just like... It it sucks that, like... You know, obviously, I I think a lot of it had to do probably with Phil's health. But it sucks that, like, you know, Phil and uh, John Sykes didn't get the chance to do more stuff together. I think... John really brought, like, a new life. He breathed some new life into Thin Lizzy. And I think maybe if, you know, if it wasn't for Phil's, you know, demons and all that and his health, I think if they stuck together and, like, you know, kept making more albums, I think Thin Lizzy could have really, like, you know, carried on through the 80s with John Sykes. I think they could have made some great shit together. Uh, may- maybe they would have did
3: Still of the Night.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it probably would have... Yeah, and I love—I do love Still of the Night, but man, the rest of that Whitesnake album, holy shit, that is some right, terrible you know, shit. The, yeah, John Sykes had a lot to do with that song. That's yeah. Yeah. But uh, man, it's just, it, it's a great album but it, and a great song, but it, just, it also makes me mad because like, god damn it, these guys could have stayed together a little bit longer and made more albums together. Like, just think of all the great material they could have done. This just like... You know, Gorman Sykes just killed on the guitar on this song, and it's got, it's just one of those like, you know, you can do whatever the fuck you want in life, you know, fuck all these people holding you down kind of songs. It's one of those feel good metal songs that I love that just has such great lyrics that make you feel good about yourself. And Steven, what do you think of this song before I keep going on about it?
1: Um, i love this song Uh, i love this album um but yeah it's a a great it's not in my top 25 but again that's just because there's just so many others yeah Um, but it is an amazing song and i think what's interesting about this album as a lizzie fan going you know way back well first of all this was i think the first album i actually remember coming out and going to the store to buy Uh, i remember i was at school and there was a, a record store nearby and i couldn't wait i went in there they had a display in the window and everything and I got the—they brought out a limited edition. It was a double album. Uh, it was the album, and then it was a gatefold sleeve, and it had four extra tracks on there. Oh, uh, sweet! Live, live tracks. It had uh, "Hollywood Killer on the Loose," "Boys Are Back in Town," and I can't remember one other. I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> and um, and and I was just so excited. I remember taking it home. And to this day, it's a great album, but it's a big, big departure. Just the sound alone. Not, I'm not talking about the heaviness. Like this particular song, it's so clear. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. It's just I know really, exactly what you mean. They're yeah. like, they're like a new band. It's like, it's, yeah, I, it was, like, it's, like, like they put a new life into
3: them. It is almost. It's
1: kind of like Mot.
3: It's almost like kind of like Mot- Motley Crue '94. Like it's that sonically, it's
1: that different. Like it almost feels like but it would just could be another off band. Pretty- the production is so clean and and like um, I don't you know like trebly almost like very high you know it's hard to explain but you know it's not as soft as the other albums as far yeah. as the sound. but you know um, what I mean yeah like yeah like it almost is like a new
3: band like like even yeah. Renegade was different and evolved mm-hmm. but it still felt kind of connected to what they were doing where it's just really just feels like a totally new band for the age
1: yeah so it's a, it's a great song obviously Sykes didn't write or at least not on record he didn't write a lot of the song i think he only really had a hand in cold sweat and maybe one other one um which is interesting because that means phil was writing heavier stuff maybe maybe he was doing that knowing that sykes coming in so he was beefing up i mean and also maybe because you know renegade and chinatown were a lot more mellow or bluesy kind of thing Mm -hmm. that he wanted to go in a different direction but what's interesting is with this album you know you said something about this should have been a single and whatever but what was going on at the time Lizzie were in such a mess they were almost going bankrupt um, you know because Renegade wasn't really a big hit and uh, it was Chinatown and what happened was the record company knew the band was split up and they decided that they weren't going to put any money into the promotion so uh, because they well before it even came out it was always it was said this is gonna be Lizzie's last album and last tour mm-hmm. And so, the, like I said, the, the record company didn't want to put any money into it, so there was no videos. If you look around, there's no actual real videos. Um, so there's
2: not a cult sweat video.
1: Nope. No. Nope, nope. Wow.
2: No. Nope. That's crazy. I think the, there's like a TV. There's like a TV appearance, but I mean, it's like no yeah, actual like video. Like. Yeah,
1: but they were on shows, you know, doing you know top of the pops and a couple of other shows. Yeah. All the time. But there's no there's no official videos. You know, I remember buying. 12 inch singles i remember sun goes down came out i bought that and uh, on the reverse of that was um a different version of the sun goes down if you've heard it but the guitar solo it's an acoustic guitar solo oh i might check that i haven't heard it i love i I love that song it's Um, a great song but instead of the electric solo it's an acoustic solo i'd like to hear that it's really really good and i always uh, like that i
3: like it's like uh, when jimmy page throws in like an acoustic solo in a song um that's, not I'm making yeah, i I'm like, not even
2: a Led Zeppelin fan and like my favorite, I love that all my love solo. It's so fucking beautiful. And oh, yeah, so he, he's the
3: king at that throwing in the acoustic solo in a song that's not necessarily acoustic, but then it's, yeah. just, it's beautiful. It's great. Oh uh, yeah. I love, so I'd like to really listen to that. Yeah. I, I'm sure song. it's
1: available somewhere on, you know, uh, but, but it was just yeah. a, gr- you know, so yeah, it was a very weird time for Lizzie. Uh, at that time there was no promotion for them and the record company had basically just given up on them and that's why there's no real i know there's a live show from london um from the thunder and lightning set that's usually if you google like live Lizzie yeah. from around then it's that one particular show in like a like a small you know fit yeah. uh and it's it's great and everything but they never that was it that, that was the end so it's a shame because there was so much potential behind this album and they were. You know, around that time, you know, you had all the new wave of British heavy metal coming out. Yeah, oh, this fits works. Right it, in. Yeah,
3: fits right in to me.
1: This like they could be
3: playing with Motorhead, and you mm-hmm. know, yeah. definitely early Def Leppard and Iron, early Maiden, and to me, this fits right in with all that stuff. I, I mean, even people.
2: John Sykes was with uh, a new wave of British heavy metal. Well, yeah, before exactly. it Was Tigers of Painting. And yeah. oh man, if you ever get the chance, listen to Spellbound. I believe it's Spellbound. Yes, yeah, yeah, that amazing awesome album, amazing, amazing. I love that album. But you album. know,
1: the the thing the thing with this album, you know, again I saw this tour and everything and uh God, I tell you what, Lizzie had for the great album covers that Lizzie had, this one fucking sucks. <laughs> I it, agree, I, I hate that Oh my album. god, I think it's kinda of it, funny, I like it. it. <laughs> it's so stupid, it means nothing, it's just bizarre. And um I remember uh there was another album cover that was made for it, which actually was pretty cool. Uh but they didn't have the the funding to go for it, so they just cobbled that together and um it was a picture of a fist or something and um it was really cool actually but but yeah i mean it okay. it', it, 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 it cause thin Lizzie just kind of fizzled out, you know.
3: Yeah, it's sad, especially when it sounds like they had a, this creative comeback. So it's yes. very sad. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, cause we got 19 other songs <laughs> to do, Stephen. Sorry. Uh, Mr. Stephen Kershey says, oh, I'm not going to say much. <laughs> to <those songs." laughs> anyway, uh, I had a feeling. Anyway, Dancing in the Moonlight. Yes, uh, one of their bigger songs, I would say. 19, Dancing in the Moonlight. I didn't have this on my Top 25. Um, I gotta say, this is uh, this might be a little controversial, I, I like the song, but this is the only song on the list that I say I just like and don't love, I like it, and I love this album, Bad Reputation's another album that sometimes I think might be my favorite, I, I mean, all their albums are great from the classic period, but uh, this, it's a good, obviously I can hear the song's very catchy, it's a great pop song it has a little bit of a kind of Van Morrison quality to it, and I'm not a huge Van Morrison fan, so I, it's, it's a little like, you know, it's, it's a light song, it's just a nice light, you know, going out with your date, you know, kind of, you know, get dancing in the moonlight kind of song. I like it, it's a nice song, I could hear why it's a popular song, but it's, it's definitely not the side of Thin Lizzy that's my favorite side. Let's just say that. But but you know he didn't really do too many songs like this anyway. So obviously Phil liked to show another side. The lyrics are great. I do love the lyrics. I like it has a nice shuffle to it and groove and and I do like this song. But I definitely like every other song on this list better than this song. But I do like it. So uh, what do you think about it, Stephen?
1: Uh, this is number two on my list I love this song This is, um, I love the saxophone in this And I love the way the saxophone uh, Kind of goes out And then the guitar solo like Kind of takes over where the saxophone left off I love the bass, this is an iconic bass line I mean, you hear that bass line At the beginning, you know the song right away yep. um, And lyrics are just great It's just a feel good song About being young and in love And kind of sneaking out of the house And all that kind of stuff uh yeah it's a great song i mean i don't know how it i don't know how you could just be like yeah it's okay <laughs> it's well i didn't i didn't say okay i say good yeah <laughs> right, right
3: it's good it, i love
1: it i love it but, it's right yeah
3: but it. i love it like you do but i can get but i get it i mean don't get me wrong i can hear you i know if, what i can hear it's a great song but to me it's good
1: if that makes you any know, sense i tell <laughs> you what what if there's another version of it um there's an album called "It's the John Peel Sessions." I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So yeah. I don't even know if it's available anymore. But John Peel was a, a BBC radio guy, you know, and um, he had a big show. And basically, if you could get onto his show, he, you were doing well. And they did a whole album, because they were on a few times, and they released an album, of all the sections that they did for his show. And there's a great version of that. Without, I think it's without the saxophone. I'd probably prefer that. As you'll know, um, in a future episode, the
3: Billy Idol episode, remember, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have my little rant against saxophones. I, that's the thing, like, I'm not a huge fan of the saxophone. I like it, actually, in jazz sometimes, but mm. I don't like it mixed in pop and rock. There might be a few examples. And... This is not one of the uses of saxophone that really bothers me. I don't feel it's out of place with the song, but yeah, it's still. Well, you my... might you
1: might want to try that John Peel session.
3: I probably I might I probably would prefer that version. So yeah, but it... I I've, I like a lot of John Peel sessions. I have a Motorhead live album. Oh okay, so you yeah agree. yeah yeah I know about John Peel. Yeah. Peele yeah, so, I, yeah, so
1: it's, it's I love the song. It's just great, and it, this is also on my my um playlist of like the slow songs because like i said i'm out early a lot in the mornings and i'll i'll be out like 6 a.m or something and (laughs) i always put on these like 15 20 songs of these lizzie songs that just ease into my day you know what i mean like just wake me up nicely and this is definitely on there beautiful song great so
3: what what do you think of dancing
2: in the moonlight eric holy fucking shit the song rules um i i'm not I don't remember if this made my top 25, but it's one of those songs, like, even if it didn't make my top 25, it belongs in there. Um, it's so different. It's not your typical hard-rockin' song. It's just, it's real happy, upbeat, funky. And I'm not the biggest fan of saxophone, but this song, it works. It's just, there's just enough in there where it's not overbearing, and it, it fits the song. I, the song just makes me smile. It's like Steven said, man, it's... This reminds me of just like, you know, the fun night out you have when you're a kid, when you go out with like a, you know, a cute girl when you're a young teenager and you just have an adventure, or you you go out with your friends, you're not even planning on having the greatest night of your life, but you end up having the greatest night of your life. It's spontaneous. That's what the song is, like those spontaneous, fun nights you have when you're young. And, uh, I'll say one thing, because I've been watching this movie like all this weekend, and I have to say it's probably my new. It's taken over Halloween '78 as my favorite horror movie of all time. Why the fuck was this song not included in an American Werewolf in London? I'll never understand. Well, yeah, Cause, it's funny because yeah, it's like because they used cause, to yeah,
3: yeah the every Morrison song,
2: used, song. <laughs> it, yeah every, it every like song memories. in that just, uh, every song in that movie was like had to do with like moonlight or yeah you know, yeah that was it. It's like, why text. couldn't they fit this song in one of those scenes? Because this song would have been awesome in that movie. Oh, it would have been perfect, yeah. Oh, amazing. And then, too, the solo is really great, and it's really rockin'. And it's like, but it doesn't, like, stand out of place, though. It, like, you know, it's not like you have this happy, upbeat, like, kind of funky, you know, saxophone-esque song. But then you throw, like, this Yngwie-sounding solo in there. It's still a rockin' solo, but it's not too out of place. So, like... I don't know It's just Scott Gorham And uh Scott Gorham just Makes it work man Where like He can put a rock and solo In there But it's not too much Where it's gonna stand It's gonna stick out Like a sore thumb It blends with the song
3: And correct me If I'm wrong Stephen Isn't uh Cause you're the expert here It doesn't (laughs) Isn't this the album? Where, I mean, Robo is isn't he like only on like two songs? Like, isn't it? maybe yeah. three
2: songs. Basically, has, got, they're, they're got kind into, of
3: a trio again on this Yeah,
1: album. He, he got into a fight. I think he busted his hand or something, and he got he had to leave the tour. And they were pissed off with him, and he, they did the album without him. And I think right at the end, he came on and did a few songs, and then came back in the band to tour. But they did the album without him and Scott. Just I mean. Scott was fantastic. I mean, yeah, this is like all oh, Scott and, and they don't miss—they
3: don't miss a beat. Like you listen no, to this album,
1: and it sounds is, like
3: a four-piece, even though they're mainly a three-piece on this album.
1: This is Scott's so album, and you know, I will tell you something else that's pretty cool with Scott on the tour of this. I think for whatever reason, really, at some point, um, he had to do it himself. I think Scott um, Robert—I I can't remember exactly. I don't know if if he hurt his hand. And he and he had to drop out, um and they had a fallout with the album as well. But he was supposed to tour with them, and and he had to miss a bunch of dates, and they, they didn't cancel, and they carried on as a three-piece, and Damn. Scott yeah. and Scott did the whole thing. Um, the whole show but maybe that's
3: where Rob Halford got that idea for always
2: then Lizzie did yeah. it so well we can do well, it it was obviously
1: it was a temporary thing it wasn't it was just it was more because they had no choice yeah, I know. maybe back then they couldn't pull out it would cost too much money whatever you know yep. Yeah, um, and they did it but the fact you know I've read reports that just Scott completely pulled it off and i tell you again, i go back. Scott's a freaking genius. I mean, he... Amazing. You yeah.
3: know. Amazing guitarist. I agree. And let's move on to number 18. And I want to take this one. It's Getting Dangerous. This goddamn song. Okay. It's Getting Dangerous is my second favorite Thin Lizzy song. It wasn't... I don't know. It might even be my favorite Thin Lizzy song, to be honest. Um, I kind of had to put the... Well like when we talk about what my favorite song is uh it's down the line here a bit i don't know but even there like that's the thing about thin lizzy like it's not like some bands where i know for sure what my favorite is like it does change a lot Thin lizzy and it's like when i made the list a few days ago i said this was my second favorite thin lizzy song and then whenever it would come on the playlist I was like, oh, I really kind of think it's my favorite. I should put it up higher. Uh, there's just something. This is from Renegade. It's a dark horse song. I don't hear a lot of people talk about this song. Um, it's uh, towards the end of the album. Uh, well, it's actually the last song, unless you count like bonus tracks. But, um, this song, God, I don't know. I find it very moving. It's my favorite vocal delivery from Phil ever is on this song, especially in the chorus. That chorus, the only way I can describe it is soaring. It's a soaring chorus. It's a kind of a subtle verse. It has a little touch of a new wave vibe to it, like the, a lot of songs on this album. And then it hits this kind of power pop chorus with the, the guitar melody and, it, and the way it it works with the vocal harmony. and And I love the lyrics, and I just I find it very powerful and moving. It's very cinematic, actually. I would say one thing that defines the Renegade album is it sounds very cinematic. That album. A lot of uh, songs, and we might be discussing a couple other songs that likewise, have this cinematic quality. Like, I could see this being used, like, in an 80s movie montage or at the end credits or something. It just has that kind of righteous sound to it. And it's uplifting, and so much of, uh, Din music is uplifting. And even though this is like a bittersweet song, it's kind of, it's kind of sad if you listen to the lyrics, there's still something kind of uplifting about its sadness, if you know what I mean. It's just, it's a very moving song to me, and I, I really connect with the lyrics, you know, and I, let's just say I won't get too personal, but I'm at a point in my life right now where, and this thing reflects about things in the past, and, and kind of the, fragile state of existence in a way and, and finding the pathos in that moment and that's that's kind of how phil lived you know his life i think and so i think i think this is a very powerful song and very catchy i think this could have uh, been a single and i love this song i think it's one of their greatest songs i think it's a goddamn masterpiece and that's what i think of it's getting dangerous what do you think about it
1: stephen uh, I love it. Great song. Not in my twenty-five, um, and it's strange. Cause this is again some <laughs> songs that I picked that are not in the twenty-five, which yeah. I think are better than this song from this album. This Renegade is prob is number three of my album. No, top three albums, uh, and sometimes it's number two. It's well, the
3: album that's probably grown the most on me in recent years.
1: Oh, I just think it's um, it's incredible. Uh, the like I said, my first is Jailbreak, and then two and three switches up between Bad Reputation and Renegade. And I just, I what I love about Renegade and this song is an example of that. Uh, every, it's so eclectic. The album, it's it's insane. It's got all kinds of stuff on it, uh, more so than than any other Lizzie album, I think. So yeah, this song, great song. It's a great story. We've already said he's such a great storyteller. Um, you really kind of get into the lyrics. You you know, you kind of follow the story. You want to know what's happening with the character. That that's how he grabs you into it. Um, so yeah, brilliant song. Didn't make yep. the top 25, but tomorrow it could. You know what I mean? Yep. So what do you think, Eric?
2: Oh, man, this is one song. Um, I'm glad you pointed out, to, uh, Edwin, about the cinematicness, because the opening is like... It sounds like something you'd hear like, in early 80s like kinda action or sci-fi movie. Like, I was watching the movie War Games recently, and it kind of reminds me, Like, it sounds like something that would be in that kind of a movie. Um, as far as the song... Again, this is like, th- this whole album I feel I need to listen to a little bit more because I haven't heard it a whole lot. And from what you guys are saying, like how it is like kind of a grower of an album, I definitely need to listen to it more. Definitely I a grower. Do...
3: It gets under your skin after a while. There's yeah, about
2: it. my thing is with this song, I love the lyrics and I love the way Phil sings it and delivers it. But I feel the music's a little bit lacking. Like, it's like, if they could record this, maybe what... If Gary Moore recorded this with them, instead of, you know, Snowy Shaw. No offense to Snowy Shaw, because I, I love the Chinatown album, which... No, goddamn, I god Goddamn, I wish there was a song on the fucking Chinatown album on this list, but... Uh, yeah, it's Snowy White. Snowy White, okay. I always get those two mixed up. So I think Snowy Shaw was with Merciful Fate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, it, it's a good song, but I feel the music's a little lacking. I feel maybe if Gary Moore had played on this, so it would have been better. And well, the album yeah,
3: for the most part, it's a little like I said, it's kind of like it's softer. The new, it's the new wave kind of album, yeah, and, and, and the, it's yeah, it's not as guitar driven as some of the other you know Thin Lizzy albums.
2: And that's the thing too. Like obviously, with a lot of seventies rock bands. Uh, like Thin Lizzy and whatnot. They went one, or, once the 80s came, they went one or two ways. They either went in a more softer direction with more keyboards, a little bit more new wave, um, or they went the metal route. Yeah. And Phil and I, went, and Phil did both. <laughs> yeah. Phil, he, he kind of did like a kiss. He went both because like kiss yeah. went more of a softer route and then they went metal. Uh, Phil, I think there's a little bit more integrity behind his, uh, his decision than KISS, but, uh...
1: But well, Lizzie, yeah, Lizzie never sold out.
2: Yeah. Never. He, like, you could tell Phil when he did something, it was because he wanted to. It's not because, oh, shit, we're not selling albums. We need to do something different. You know, with Phil, is just, he wanted to try something new, and, obviously, at first, he went a little bit different, went more towards the keyboards and whatnot, and then, obviously, when Sykes came in, I was like, well, why don't we try like, getting a little bit heavier now? You know, let's do, let's get a little bit heavier. And so, like I said, it's a great song, just uh, musically, I, it's, it's lacking something, but maybe I need to listen to it more, and I do love those lyrics, because it is, like, we all kind of grew up, we knew, like, that crowd we hung out with, maybe if we hung out with a more dangerous crowd, or we knew people that kind of hung out with, we hung out with that were, you know, they kind of lived a little bit more on the edge than we did, and sometimes we lose track of them, we wonder what happened to them, you know, what, what ended up happening with their life, you know. That's There's what a, I interpret the lyrics, you know. A lot
3: of these lyrics, even though it's like the, the Irish equivalent of it, it's kind of like a lot of uh, Phil's lyrics make me think of like a 70s or early 80s young adult novel. Like, like characters yeah. like the Outsiders, you know. Exactly. Or, you know, and you brought up the Warriors, and you see like the Wanderers. And, and a lot of the songs, it sounds like I'm sure like he liked stuff like doo-wop and del shannon like runaway and stuff like that (laughs) i get that vibe you know what i mean in a lot of his songs like when he was a kid like he was probably some kid that ran with a crowd a tough crowd in ireland and yeah listen to doo-wop songs and stuff like they feel like the kind of guys are like hanging out like in rocky singing by the 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 can on fire you know what i mean and then get into a knife fight later and and these are like ballads for those kind of guys like that's, I, i think that's a thing that's really unique about Feel that you don't have in a lot of these rock acts. That there's this kind of a, kind of a like this star-crossed doo-wop thing <laughs> going on. Like <laughs> these doo-wop guys are gonna end up dead, and I'm gonna sing a ballad about them. <laughs> yeah, know? and and that's definitely in this song. But let's move on to the other side that we were talking about. He did did he did his new wave album, and then he went full fucking metal. With number 17, the title track, Thunder and Lightning. Eric, uh, you got to lead this one off.
2: Hell yeah, man, because this one was in my... I know for sure this one was in my top 25. I fucking love this song. Like I said, that at one point, this was my favorite Thin Lizzy album. It's still in my top three. Um, but goddamn, this shit's just heavy as fuck, and... You know like we're saying man it's like he he tried like going a little bit softer with more keyboards a little bit more new wave-ish and then he was like hey you know what why don't we go a little bit heavier on this next next record and he asked brought in john sykes who came from tigers of paying tang and man this song fucking just blows my dick off you know it's fucking amazing um and like i said man john sykes he he brought some energy and some youthfulness to this band like even though like the last record like I said it's still growing on me it's still loved and I love Chinatown but you can tell it's a little bit softer and not that it's bad but it's like you can tell too maybe this is a band that's like you know kind of like fuck you know we can't we haven't been able to follow up you know the success a little bit of success we had with Jailbreak and it's a band that's kind of like fuck we're you know nothing's hitting right now we keep throwing stuff at the wall and you know, it's not sticking, and then the John Sykes comes along, it's like, you kind of bring some energy back into that band, some youthfulness back into that band, even though they're not that old yet, and you can hear it with the song, and just... It, it's still just, man, it, it pisses me off, That's it's like, man, I just wish this band could have gotten a second chance, because John Sykes really seemed to be bringing them, you know, a new life, and it just never, you know, because of timing, it never really fathomed. But man, this song fucking rules um you know just it's some motorhead sounding stuff some new wave of british heavy metal sang stuff this is like if you want to get your metalhead friends in the thin lizzy play them this song and they will not be disappointed uh edwin what do you think of uh thunder and lightning a lot of stuff you say you gotta say it that way you gotta say thunder, thunder and lightning, lightning. yeah
3: uh, it's yeah, It could be their heaviest song uh, they've ever done It's interesting because Motorhead did a song on their last album, Bad Magic, called Thunder and Lightning It was actually yep. the lead-off single It was not a cover of this song But it's interesting, even though I do like that song I was like, you don't really need to do uh, I mean, Thin Lizzy already kind of did a Motorhead song called Thunder and Lightning Because Thunder <laughs> and Lightning sounds a lot like Motorhead Exactly. It sounds very similar to Motorhead. And even like he's singing, Phil's singing in a gruffer way, a little lower and rougher sound. Yeah. So it's almost like I feel like he was listening to Motorhead. And obviously, he was influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal. He got a guitarist from that scene. So. And Motorhead was huge, you know, in in the United Kingdom at that time period. You know, they ended up joining them too. Yeah, so, I mean, Motorhead, people like in America, they were just a cult act, but in England, they were, you know, Stephen or backed us up on this that they were a huge band you know yeah of course it, they actually like had a number one album in England you know but not in America you yeah, know?
1: No, no Sleep I think was the number yeah
3: one. No Sleep was a number one album in England
1: my favorite Motorhead. yeah so
3: so obviously Phil was probably paying attention to that so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he said like hey let's do a song that sounds like a Motorhead song <laughs> they were uh-huh.
1: also, also good buddies those two as well yeah so,
3: yeah, yeah so it sounds like that's the inspiration it's an awesome song it's one of my favorite songs it did make my top 25 as well and i think we're getting to a point where a lot of these songs now not all of them but a lot of them have are in my top 25 thunder and lightning it kicks ass it's also one last thing i'll say about this album eric you made a good analogy of kiss because in a way and even though like steven said i do think that it's a little more um authentic what phil's doing yeah uh, and what kiss is doing but it is a lot like Unmasked and then followed by Creatures of the Night, and uh, or The Elder, you know, if you want to kind of <laughs> spot, combine that with Unmasked. But, and this is like Creatures of the Night, and it sounds like from what Steven's saying, that even though they totally changed their sound and made this album that's awesome, and that years later fans would love, it sounds like like Creatures of the Night it wasn't totally appreciated at that time period. That even though yeah. he totally modernized the sound, people were still like, Oh, Thin Lizzy's that old band from the seventies. Like they, for yeah. whatever reason, it sounds like Stephen that they didn't really—it didn't really work to cross over, no matter how different this sounded.
1: Uh, well, I think you know they—they they announced it's going to be the last. I think they were struggling with ticket sales and things like that because, you know, with the Renegade album, it wasn't a big hit. You know, yeah. and I—I I mean, they had a hit from it. Hollywood was a hit from it. But it wasn't a big hit album, and I think Phil purposely wanted to get away from the snowy era because it was much more mellow. But at the same time, it kind of went a hundred miles an hour in a different direction. And I think a lot of people were like, "What?" You know, older Lizzie fans. I was younger; I could get into it more. But but older Lizzie fans were probably like, "Well, this is just this is a little too heavy for me." You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was a big change. And what I was going to say about this song is. It's a Thin Lizzy song, but it's not really a Thin Lizzy song, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's a great song. I love it. I, I, I love the whole album. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic song. But and it's, it's a weird song. Because also, uh, guitar solo, John Sanks, ridiculous in it, of, of course. Super fast. Everything, the drum, everything's going nuts. And then they slap a keyboard solo in the middle, which is really bizarre. And yeah. yet, somehow, it, it, it does it actually won't. work. It does actually work, yes, no, <laughs> it, it works. But you know, imagine a keyboard solo in the middle of, um, you know, um, Eat the Rich or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some, I And I'm trying to think of a motor song, but you know what I'm saying, like, yeah. it's just killed by death, right in the middle, you've got a freaking song, like, uh, thing like that. But it's weird, it, it, I, you know, it was different, uh, and as heavy as it was, I think slapping that keyboard in the middle kind of gave it a little bit of a, just a left turn that maybe people weren't expecting. And yeah. then, when that, and that,
3: and that's a Phil thing you know that's the thing even yeah. when he's doing heavy metal you'll get a some kind of musical curve and, and
1: to this i've heard this song a gazillion times and i still don't know what the fuck he's singing half the time because he's singing it so goddamn fast um yeah. but it, you know it, it was very it was a shock when i first i told you this was the first time i remember actually buying so you know back then we didn't have oh a release you know yeah i'd heard cold sweat that was the only thing that i'd heard and, and that i thought well that's heavy but it was a 4 Minute rock song, you know, but when yep. you put the needle down and this opens up with the thunder and lightning sound, the thunder sound, and then it goes into this, you're like, What the fuck is this? Have I forgot, have they put the wrong album in the, the wrong vinyl in the sleeve? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was definitely a, a change, but um, but it works, it, it, it works great,
3: great, great song. All right, so now we are moving to number 16, another heavy song, kind of one of their first real heavy songs, and yeah. a song that I think this is I was alluding to on the part one when I said that there was a song on the Nightlife album that's like really the first like what we think of as like the Thin Lizzy sound and I'm ta- I was talking about this song Sha La La to me Sha-la-la, or how would you pronounce it, he,
2: he said, on the alive and dangerous. I know he says, like, sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. And I thought my, I thought, the, like, the record was broken or something. I'm ah, shit, is it skipping? You know, he, <laughs> he just says it like that, like, sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. la 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 Anyway,
3: this song, amazing song. One of their best songs. I love this song. I actually had two songs on my list from Nightlife, but this was, like, the only one that made the list. So this is the only representative from uh, that album, I just—it's an offbeat album. It's definitely them trying a lot of different stuff. There's soul. There's even like a, a country song, the, the title track, Night I like it's actually a Willie Nelson song. Yeah. And so they're do, and I think it all works. But and, and I do. There are, have been periods in my life where I've been very charmed by the eclecticism of this album, but it's definitely not a definitive Thin Lizzy album because it's just so they're just trying so many different things. But it is the first album to have the classic <clears throat> lineup. And it's the first album that has, you know, the Scott and Brian, you know, they're doing the, the twin guitars. And even though they're not working it as much as they would on the later albums or the next album, Fighting, it's definitely, this is where they discover it, you know, like for yeah. the first time. And this is a song where they're doing the first kind of full-fledged, because before the rock songs were kind of more traditional bluesy kind of rock and roll yeah. hard rock songs. And this is where they kind of bring in the Irish vibe. Like how they work in the Irish uh, jig thing into the hard rock sound, but this song is also heavy and it's also kind of like it's I would consider this metal for the mid '70s. This is a metal song, and definitely you could hear some influence. Like this kind of song, that, you know, Steve Harris would have liked, you know, as a young man. And this song just fucking balls out rocks. And of course, this is a song that it, it's on, you know, live and dangerous. And so you know, it was part of their set list. And it's it's. Obviously, it's an Eureka moment. It's obviously, I imagine, when they did this song in the studio, we're like, "God damn! Okay, we got to start doing a lot of songs that sound like this song now." <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's an amazing song, and it's a very important thin Lizzie song in my opinion because it's really the song where they really got their sound, at least the sound that they're probably most associated with, okay, kind of yeah. starts with this song. And this is why they were such a big influence on heavy metal is songs like this.
2: So what do you think of it, Eric? Oh, man, just, you know, phenomenal song. Um, I think the first time I actually heard this was on Live and Dangerous, which that, I love that fucking, just the album cover alone is amazing. The image of Phil Lynott like, on his knees, looking like he just did, like, a power slide with his Fender bass, studded, uh, you know, all leather, wearing the studded, you know, leather belt and, like, wrist cuffs. You know, the huge afro and then he's got the two long-haired, like, white guys on guitar, like, on each side of him, stage lights. Just what a fucking image that is. A iconic image. Yeah, it's like and, Unleashed
3: in the East. It's one of the, yeah, three, it's one
2: of the, I don't even have to listen to the album to know that, like, wow, this is, this is fucking rock and roll. This is, you know, this is badass. But man, this song just amazing. Um, And this is definitely, too, this is where they really found that twin guitar sound, because Nightlife is very, it's like a mixed bag. It's like they're still, like, they haven't fully transitioned to the, you know, the Thin Lizzy sound we all know and love. Um, But they're also, too, they're still experimenting with the sound from the first three albums. It's like they're still kind of experimenting a little bit. But this is the song where they kind of get that signature sound that we all know and love with Thin Lizzy and uh it's just it's hard rocking but yeah it's also a little bit funky too it's got that funk to it you know that groove great rhythm section yeah and brian man fucking brian downey just killing it on those fucking drums man and i just man so in about 70s and early 80s sounding drums before like you know bob rock came around and you know drums had that more thunderous sound I yeah. love like the uh, I love the sound of like seventies and like early eighties drums or like uh, it, it, I don't know how to describe it but it's almost like a more hollower sound a more like you know more like African tribal drums sound to it it's more organic sounding as yeah, opposed I... to the thunderous drums.
3: Yeah, more less robotic, more human sounding, and yeah. Yeah, I know it, a little more bottom. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And like you can exactly. hear it, you listen to the drumming on this, and you think, well, this probably inspired. And of course, they were friends with him later on. Yeah, uh, you know, Filthy Animal Tail or Motorhead, like yep. Overkill, like the song Overkill. Yeah, like, listen to the drums on this, and then listen to the, the way the drums sound on Overkill. Like this is like a precursor to that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And what do you think of it, Stephen? Basically everything you've just said, <laughs> except I just want to add in that on the live version uh, where it goes into Brian Downey's drum solo. Yeah. It, I'm not a drum solo. I'm not really... You no, know, I, I like drums and music, obviously, but uh, when, I don't really listen to drum solos because yeah, it, it can be kind of boring. Uh, prime example is Peter Chris on the Life is <laughs> you know, what a waste of, of space that that thing was. So, uh, but I always listen to this. It's an amazing solo, um, and it just you know it goes into the middle of the song, and then Shalala comes right back in at the end of it, and it's just brilliant. So yeah, it's a great song. It's a, it's you know one of the few earlier cuts that we've we've discussed, um, and yeah, brilliant, great song. Okay, great. Moving into the top 15.
3: And here's, uh, number 15, uh, the title track from an album that we have discussed. Uh, it's a grower, (laughs) this album, but it's a really cool album. And that is Renegade. Renegade is number 15. Uh, I'll lead off with this one. What a, just interesting song. Like again, this is one of those songs that, I I don't think I've ever like even for Thin Lizzy like there are so many Thin Lizzy songs that just sound like Thin Lizzy songs and this is another one but it sounds like a kind of Thin Lizzy song I've never heard them do before. It's a little new wavy, like all the songs on this album but it gets kind of heavy and rocking in the chorus and it's like you see the you see the title Renegade and you think it'll be closer like the first track Angel Death like you think it's going to be more of a full out rocker because it's called Renegade but. It's this kind of soft, thoughtful, meditative kind of song, you know, with kind of a almost a little bit like some of the stuff the Cars were doing at that time period, where it just has this kind of vibe where it's a it's a very cinematic, like this whole album. Like again, this is a song like I could picture being in a montage in an eighties you know movie with some guy driving around the strip at night, you know, with the hair blowing in the wind, you know, it's got that, and he's being thoughtful and. He's thinking of things and there's flashbacks in the montage, you know, it's it's that kind of song, you know, uh, you see your like light flash in front of you and it's a beautiful song. It's wistful. It's bittersweet as an undercurrent of darkness. It sings about these figures, which obviously it's, you know, Phil singing about himself a lot of times, I feel as as a character as this outlaw this outsider someone who's a renegade but not like renegade in this like overtly macho tough guy cliched way but a more nuanced kind of poetic renegade you know and it's there's a lot of that on this album and it's one of the things i love about it and i love this song it's one of my favorite thin lizzy songs it's 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 just a it's a mini masterpiece it's just like a little mini movie and i love it and what do you think of it Steven?
1: Uh, Well, it's number 12 on my top 25. I love this song. And the, yeah, the lyrics, very deep lyrics. Uh, Very introspective, you know. He's definitely singing about himself uh, through most of it. Um, And I love, it's one of my favourite Lizzie basslines. The the intro to this, um, just the the way, whenever I hear this song, you know, when you're sometimes listening to songs or if you think of a song, you might hum the guitar or the, the the lyrical melody or whatever um i will go to this baseline i love this bassline, and um, <clears throat> to me that drives the song i love how it goes you know heavy and then slow again and this is you know this this was co-written with snowy and i think you can tell that that's you know i think they worked well together i don't think they got as much credit as they should have done for working with snowy Snowy got a real bad rap when being in lizzie and people saying that chinatown and renegade were the, you know, the weakest of the Lizzie albums, which I disagree with. Um, but this is a great example of how they work well together. And you've got Linus, you know, amazing lyrics and, and the heaviest side. And then you've got Snow bringing in that I wouldn't say it's bluesy, but it's just a much mellower sound. But again, that bass line I mean, who does not love that bass line? It's incredible. It's amazing bass. I, I'm,
3: it's sad that, uh, Phil would be down on his bass playing because it's, he's an amazing bass player, I thought. Yeah, I love it. I I, I think it's kind of musically the heart of the band, which makes sense, because, I mean, that's the thing. People think of the guitar sound, but if we're talking about the beating heart of the band, it's the bass, especially in this band, and he's the main songwriter. One question i got to say, because as a bassist, I mean, some of the songs sound like, because... It, it, it'll sound like they maybe started with the bass line, but then there's other songs that clearly had to start with like an acoustic guitar or something. Uh, did Phil, like, did he play just when he was composing the songs? Did he compose a lot of them on a, a guitar, acoustic guitar? What was his songwriting process?
1: I don't know that, but I do know he, he plays a guitar and I've seen yeah. him play the guitar. Yeah, and... I would
3: imagine he'd have to because you I'm obviously, sure. you listen to some of these songs, so you go, well, obviously he had to write that song, even well, if he's not playing it. on the album he had to write it on a guitar
1: what's interesting to me i've always thought this like you know i don't know how it works with bands with you know writing credits but if you look on lizzie's stuff i mean lineup writes 90 percent of it by himself but then you
0: think but then you think
1: does scott like he doesn't write the the twin guitar melodies like i don't understand how it works You, you know what i'm saying like like this song okay this song was with snowy white but there's other songs that, that was just him um like he, he can't to me he's a genius but can he be that much of a genius that, <laughs> that he could literally do every i don't, i just don't understand you know when you talk about like an iconic guitar solo or, or sound uh, in a particular song Surely that guitarist has to have a credit it in is, that too. It is.
3: It is. It is kind of a debate. It's actually a debate that I'm hearing more and more these days because I've heard he took yeah. a lot
1: of the songwriter credits that maybe shouldn't have done. I well, it it's it's possible, uh, and like, or
3: at very least, should have included like the other guys as well because it all fleshes out the songs. So like, even I'll use an example,s like um the the song Estranged, Guns and Roses. Yeah. It's just it's just Axl Rose. It's the only credit. But that that guitar hook of Slash's is very it's a big part of the song. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. You know. And he he did. It's funny because obviously there was some little behind the scenes debate about it because in the liner notes it says thanks to Slash for this for the melodies. So he gives him a thanks, but he doesn't <laughs> give him, but he doesn't give him a, a songwriting credit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just, weird. Yeah, and it's weird. It's just like yeah. I mean. Yeah, I felt like yeah, Slash should have had a co-songwriting credit on that because that that melody is a big part of that song. But yeah, it's interesting how that sometimes works out. So yeah, I yeah. So I I am kind of interested in exactly how Phil wrote all these songs. But regardless, great stuff. Um, and what do you think of Renegade, Eric?
2: Um, this is one where I definitely not a big fan of this song. This is one I couldn't get into and. Even with the the other two songs were like, I, I don't. I wasn't a big fan, but there was at least something I could take away from it that I did like. This one, I still. There's just nothing I can really take away from it that I do like. It's just, I don't know, man. It's where it's like kind of gets too keyboardy, too soft, and there's really nothing else to make up for it. This is where I would. This is where I would put some from fucking Chinatown on the on the fucking list because <laughs> goddamn, China, Chinatown has some great fucking songs uh not knocking it man it just ain't you know just not my cup of tea man and like I said who knows maybe this is an album I still need to give some more chance more listens to so who knows maybe I may change my tune on it in the future but this is the one where like there's nothing I can even really take away from it that I do like it's just something that it just doesn't register me with me at all you know well, like I said, it is definitely a grower. Yeah, it's subtle,
3: and this is kind of a subtle, offbeat song, but, you know, that's kind of what I love about it. But what about the lead-off song from the album, which is number 14, the song that kicks off Renegade, and that is Angel of Death. He oh. had an Angel of Death before Slayer had one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's it's not as heavy as that song, of course, but it's, yeah. it's the heaviest song on this album. And oh, It's definitely if there's one song that kind of foreshadows the Thunder and Lightning album, it's this song. This is the heaviest song on the album, although it does also have that cinematic quality. You know, it's it's more polished sounding, and it has all those sound effects and the stuff in the intro in the beginning, and there's a lot of sound effects throughout the song. But it's a heavy metal song. It's got a gallop, and it's a it's a great song. It really kicks off this album. It's probably. If anything, it probably kicks off this album too good, cause then I imagine you, Eric, and a lot of people I listen to the rest <laughs> of the album going, what the fuck? I thought this was gonna be a metal fucking party. <laughs> and then, and then it turns into this like introspective soft, like new wave pop rock album. But man, Angel Death kicks ass. I love this song. I, I think this is one that made all our list, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, but yeah, this is a classic song. I imagine this had to be like one of the greatest openings you ever saw in a concert, Stephen, especially as a young man, because this just sounds like it was made to open a show. This song, it's got that build up and then kicks in. It's a fucking legendary song. It's kind of like their Achilles last last stand. It's gallops. It's fucking, all, you know, cinematic. I love Angel of Death. What do
1: you think of it, Stephen? Yeah, I don't really like it, actually.
3: Oh, my God! What
2: the <laughs> fuck?
3: Oh, I was wrong. It's tough to pick all of our list then. No,
1: no, I'm just kidding. It's number oh, 17 oh. for me. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I love this song. you kidding me? It's awesome. Um, yeah, this was a great... You know, this is when I saw them, they came onto this, and I, I remember Phil just walking through the smoke, uh, you know, playing his bass uh, in the opening of this song. Uh, and I remember also at that time I actually, you know, the whole bit in the middle where he does the spoken word about Nostradamus. And,
2: That's like my yeah, favorite you know. part. Yeah.
1: So I made, uh, I went to like an art shop and I bought like a massive poster board, and I wrote. I, I I'm a bit of a, well, I can draw. I'm not saying I'm an artist, but I'm, oh, yeah. pretty, I'm pretty good. <laughs> and you're, um, you're, you're like
3: Picasso. i know You're a <laughs> yeah. fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and I did a whole uh, I wrote out all the lyrics Like in a really cool font And everything Not the lyrics to the whole song th- That whole bit of the, Where he's doing the speaking part And I had it up on my um, You know In the late 20th century And all that kind of stuff And I had that up on my roof Because oh, my whole room Was covered with posters Even the roof Like the ceiling and that was of my bed and it was this and i used to go to bed and lay down in bed and i could see you know basically you're looking at the end of the world coming uh you're reading about the end of the world uh but yeah this song is just ridiculous and i think if you remember i'm sure you've heard the episode on um you know um rmcp um where they had darren wharton on have you heard yeah. that episode
3: yeah, long. Yeah, yeah it was a w- long time
1: ago but a while ago i <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I, I actually set them up with that. I got in touch with Darren and asked him to do it for them. And um, I was, you know, and, and he did great, you know, thankfully. And he talked <laughs> about that album, about that song. And he was saying, I don't know if you remember, but he was saying that he was just, that intro, he was just doing that like in soundcheck one day. And Phil was like, hey, wait, what? what's that? What are you doing? And he took that intro, which is an amazing intro, he took that from a sound check and turned it into uh, into that song. So that's why um Darren gets uh, a writing credit on that song because he, he Darren was the inspiration for that song and, and how it all got started. But yeah, wow. it's a fantastic, fantastic song. Hey, but you're right. You? It's, it's weird because yeah. it, that song is so heavy, and then the album uh, just kind of goes a completely different way from there. In, in a great way. It's like I said. It's my one of my favorite albums, so I'm not In a way, I, I think you
3: might get this a little bit. I don't know how much of Zeppelin you listen to, but Renegade's a, kind of a, a lot like Presence. The it, 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 A, they both kind of have an epic, heavy, galloping song in the beginning, and then the album gets kind of more subtle and a little weirder and a little more... Yeah, you know, becomes more of a subtle bluesy kind of jazzy album presence and this becomes more of a subtle kind of uh bluesy new wave album. But th- there's kind of a quality
1: and both albums are growers. I, 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 you keep saying this word and it's kind of freaking me out a bit. You keep saying new wave. Why do you keep I, <laughs> I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of new wave on this album. Why not, when it, you say when I when you say new wave to me that means stuff like block um, of seagulls.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I, well, I think well, like, I, I'm, talking, I'm, talking
3: I'm, I'm talking like early '80s new wave. What they called new wave in like '81, '82, like the Cars. Um, okay, all right. right. So I kind of like
2: like rock, you know. Yeah, police.
1: I hear a I'm lot of like police. The, I'm thinking of the Human League. They're
2: under <laughs> under, no, no,
3: that, that's, I well, say, that's, that's synth, don't you want me, <laughs> baby? Okay. I, I know it gets a little confusing for people. Technically, that stuff's synth pop. Synth okay. pop does get put under the, sometimes the, it's like a broader t- term. New Wave's like a broad term. Um, and, like, there's different kinds of music underneath new wave, you know But when I'm saying new wave, I mean, like, the police I mean the cars I'm talking, like, even, like, early 80s Like, uh, Blondie Like, that's new wave to me, you know And, I, you yeah. know, so that that's what I mean I'm talking about those kind of bands When, when I say, even, like, uh, even though they weren't a new wave band In the early 80s, Chief Trick had kind of a new wave quality, you know uh, kind of, like, they started doing stuff that sounded a little bit like the cars a little bit. And, and that's kind of what I mean. I essentially just mean it sounds a little bit like the cars. All right. Well, I'm glad, be, I'm
1: glad I cleared that up because I was getting <laughs> yeah. a little freaked out
3: yeah yeah and it's even just like throwing in a little bit of a reggae quality it's kind of the way the police did you know and that's that's kind of what i mean so yeah definitely also hear a lot like it sounds like he was listening to the police and the cars and in the same way that the next album sounds like he was listening to motorhead and you know and british you know a lot of other you know new wave of british heavy metal albums but that's what it sounds like to me and especially his solo album too that he released around this time
1: period is very
3: new wave influenced. oh yeah
1: that for sure yeah that
3: even more so
2: but, uh, yeah, so what were you saying about uh, Angel of Death, Eric? Angel of Death, man. Uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, I, I've always known the Slayer song Angel of Death, so I think, you know, way back when I first listened to this album, I kind of chuckled at at the title of the song, like, <laughs> Angel of Death, really? But uh, this song's amazing, and like you said, that one's very misleading because this is a pretty fucking heavy song, it sounds more like a song that should be on the next album, Thunder and Lightning, because the rest of the album is very, a little bit lighter, a little bit softer. Um, but this is probably my favorite song off the Renegade album. It's just it's heavy, it's badass. Um, I love Phil's voice on on this song, and he has so much attitude to his voice. The galloping, you know, very Maiden-like, you know, and uh, even the keyboards too. Um, one of the, my biggest things about Renegade that I, I still can't get past is like all the keyboards on it. But this is where like the keyboards are used just for the right moments. They're more for like atmosphere, and they're not overused. They're used like you know at certain points in the song um, to add like an atmosphere. Uh, and I love like Steven was touching upon that you know that middle part with the spoken word. It's just so evil sounding and so creepy. He got, like, the creepy little, like, kind of guitar, like, you know, scraping of the pick on the strings on there to, you know, it's just so evil-sounding. Um, yeah, amazing song, and this would probably be my favorite song off fucking Renegade. Um, and I love, too, like, Phil even does, like, that metal, like, he does, like, that squeal, that scream at the end. You know, so metal-sounding. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, real quick before we jump into the next song, I think that's, like, another thing, too, That maybe turns people away from Thin Lizzy is, uh, you know, Phil has a very um, he has a very unique sounding voice and a very unique singing style. Um, Like I said, he does a lot of his lyrics are like he does um, the storytelling kind of lyrics. He's not really poetic. He's more like he tells a story with his songs, and so the way he sings, it's almost like a, a talking kind of singing style. I mean, he still has some soulfulness in his voice, but he's not like, uh, you know, he's not really like a, like a, a Halford or like a, you know, he, he's not one of these guys that's like, you know, this perfect singer. He kind of has this way of singing that's just like, it's almost like he's talking to you, but very like, you know, soulfully and musically. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's a thing that maybe is hard to get used to, because I know that it took me a while to get used to his voice when uh, I started digging into Thin Lizzie a little bit deeper. Um now I I love it. I love his kind of cool guy telling you a story kind of singing voice. It's very different and very unique.
3: Yeah, I think it's a jivey. It's similar to yeah. Jimmy Jimi Hendrix kind of talk saying too. But exactly. he just had a, a cool voice. You know, it's just like Jimmy d- just had a cool voice, you know. And Jimmy, a few of his songs not as much as Phil, but he had a few storytelling songs too. So I yeah. I mean, obviously jimmy hendrix was a big influence on phil like he a lot of people but not just as a guitarist but as a like a songwriter and singer i think he was a big influence on him um so i think we talked enough about this great song angel (laughs) death let's talk about a song from my favorite thin lizzie album fighting song number 13 the song is suicide I'd say this is probably one of their more known deep tracks, again, probably because it's on Live and Dangerous, so a- any of the songs that are on Live and Dangerous, I feel, are elevated a little above Deep Track, yeah. you know, because that's... Isn't Live and Dangerous, like, their biggest album, or is it Jailbreak? Do you know, Stephen?
1: Um, I, I don't really know. I know... Nah, I, I couldn't tell you. I'd imagine uh, it'd
3: be one of those two, anyway.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, yeah, I... Mean, I feel like the songs. It's kind of like the
3: songs, the kiss songs that are on the live or whatever, like if yeah. or, or like cheap trick, you know, um, live at you know Budokan. If it's a classic live album, so I feel like that gave a kind of a life to some of these other older deep tracks that yeah. uh, maybe otherwise people would have kind of forgotten about. But uh, but talking about the studio version, great song. It's one of those songs that's like even though this is on fighting. It's still, there's a little hangover of what I would say is their older sound. Like, this has a little bit of that more straightforward bluesy quality, but they're playing it at a level that I don't feel Thin Lizzy would have been playing, like, a few albums before. Like, there's a dexterity and fluidness to the musicianship and the guitars and everything, and, and the confidence of how Phil sings and kind of does that jive-talking kind of storytelling thing that he does and the stops and the you know the starts again and just just a swagger and confidence to this song that like it's a more standard blues rock song but they're playing it in a you know superior way than they would have done it on you know the vagabonds album and also, it's a heavier, it's a little heavier, you know, it's. I wouldn't say it's heavy, heavy metal this song, but it has moments, especially at the end where it kind of kicks in with the guitars, you know, and they start doing this part that's a little Maiden-esque, you know, uh, so it's like a hard rock, bluesy hard rock song that has some metal sections, <laughs> some sections where suddenly you, you get a little bit of that heavy kind of proto-Maiden kind of stuff thrown in, so it's just a, it's a great song, it's one of my favorite Thin Lizzy song. It's just badass tune. And kids, you shouldn't commit suicide, but this is a goddamn <laughs> cool song. That's all I gotta say.
2: What do you think of it, Eric? Oh, man. Uh, I You know, I gotta disagree with you. When I think this totally has that Thin Lizzy sound. Well, it has the moments, like that, when it does
3: uh, that part I'm talking about, that thin and then and then and and that definitely has it.
2: I, I think the whole song, man, just, I think the whole song has a Thin Lizzy vibe to it, man. This song, it, it fucking rules, man. This is like, uh, this is another one of their hard rock songs. This is like if you're trying to get your metalhead friend or your hard rock friend into Thin Lizzy, this is one of those songs you you give to them before you kind of introduce them to the more, like, kind of out there stuff. This song just is amazing. Um, I love when, you know, Scott Gorham and, you know, Robbo just start, you know, at the end of the song, start going off on guitar and just trading back solos. It's fucking amazing. Um, and again, Phil's kind of storytelling lyrics, like he almost, I, I get the vibe of him like sounding like this rugged like street cop in this town where, you know, just all these kids are committing, sumo- uh, committing suicide and he's just like this rugged cop and who has to like keep seeing all this and see all these kids that he knows in the neighborhood, you know, killing themselves and he's just like, what the fuck, like why Why can't these kids just stop? Like why, why do they feel the need to do this to themselves and like it's almost like eating away at him having to see all this happen like i get that but that's what i get from this song uh with phil's voice and how he delivers it i fucking love this tune and uh the live versions even better um steven what do you think of suicide
1: yeah basically everything you guys have said uh, great song great drumming in there uh, it's got a great swing like a swagger to this song as well and yeah. i also again i i prefer the live version of this but, Eric, if you've never heard The Peel Sessions, there's a version on there. It, they're basically live recordings uh-huh. in, in a studio uh, that they do for this radio thing. And Suicide is on there, too. And it's it's like some of the recordings with Lizzie on the earlier albums, um, they're great songs. But then when you hear them live, it just takes on a whole new... Uh, A whole new thing. I do think
3: this song, yeah. I mean, I This is definitely one of those songs. Yeah, I love the studio version, but the live version is better. And again, it kind of like Kiss and a lot of these bands or Judas Priest, where just you hear like they got heavier Mm -hmm. just a a couple albums later. So Suicide, definitely the live version is full out like thin-lizzy, yeah. metal-sounding kind of thin-lizzy. It's just it, like this earlier version has a little more of a bluesy quality, good. at least the first half. That's kind of what I meant when I was but saying if you, that. But if
1: you, if you listen to it on the Peel sessions, again, it's, it's just, it's like a, a heavier studio version of it. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, it's good. So, okay, yeah.
3: so we all had Suicide on our list, so yep. that's a good one. Uh, so number 12. This is, uh, I would say, one of the bigger songs that's on this list. It's one of the singles and you know from their biggest album jailbreak and it's it was a song that was on that greatest hits that i first listened to when i first you know tried to listen to thin Lizzy. that greatest hits that didn't impress me so much <laughs> uh, and but then i learned i learned the errors in my way when i actually listened to the actual albums but i am talking about at number 12 cowboy song um i'm gonna wait I'll say what I have to say about Cowboy Song after you guys.
1: You go first, Stephen.
3: What do you, th- I know you
2: love this song.
1: <laughs> um, okay, I absolutely love this song. The, the, the guitar in here, the, the solos are incredible. The, the way that it starts off slow. And this is another even better example of the live version compared to the studio version. I, I, I mean, I love the studio version because I just know it so well but I only listen to the studio version when I'm listening to jailbreak if I'm making a compilation you know a playlist I'm gonna pick the live version because the live version is ridiculous Um, and then when you listen to the live version of this um, on if you've heard the live album from Reading uh, which was one of the last you know with John Sykes yeah I mean it just takes it to another notch of (laughs) heaviness as well Um, but yeah I mean this is a, a brilliant song and Phil was very influenced uh, by America he really wanted to break America and um, a lot there's quite a few songs where he talked about America and and you know stories from from that so yeah this is a brilliant song this is you know going back as well when I was saying earlier like in, in the last episode uh, when Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield were discussing the solos in this song and just saying say how great you were Um yeah this is just a brilliant song um, and it's a crowd getter you know when he gets the crowd when if you know when he play it live gets the crowd going a uh, nice um, call and response you know with the with when the coyote calls and all that kind of thing uh, yeah. but yeah, as a live version you know I, this is on my top 25 but I actually put on my list I think you did uh, the live and dangerous yeah I did I put it's number nine for me and I put cowboy song live and dangerous not that yeah, I don't want nice. the studio but yeah this is a brilliant song
2: Okay, what do you think of it, Eric? Oh, man, I'm, uh, this song is, uh, this, uh, it's a very important song in my life because it's a song, like I said, my, my mom had the Jailbreak album, uh, growing up, so that was probably the album I'm most familiar with because it's been my life the longest. This was one my mom always, you know, loved, and, uh, you know, my mom, you know, you know back back before we had you know we had some cars that didn't even have cd players and so my mom would make these mixtapes all these songs on there and this one i swear was a mixtape she made for the car was you know cowboy song was always on there so uh this song reminds me a lot of like you know my mom you know whether she you know driving around whether it was you know her you know picking me up from my dad's house on the weekend or dropping me off or just Whatever, if I was driving with my mom, you know, and it, the sun reminds me of her. Um, and even, you know, way, a couple of years later down the road when I'm an adult, you know, I used to hang out with, uh, you know, when I lived near my friend Nick Mills, we and him would always hang out his his uh, garage when we were adults in our young 20s, um, just drinking, smoking, you know, we'd hang out with friends. And uh, my friend Mason, who would hang out with us, always played this song he loved it and uh he played it because it reminded him of uh his friend who um who used to be like this really great skateboarder and uh you know his he made like a i guess like his friend made a video or something of his skateboarding highlights and it was like with this song in the background and he would always just joke around about like man you know you could have been something with your skateboarding he would always talk about his friend um and man, if Mason and Nick Mills are listening to this, I'm, I'm going to be seeing Overkill at Nick Mills uh, in a couple days, man. If they're listening to this, man, uh miss you guys, and I uh, hope you're all doing good in life, you know? This song is just like, it's a it's a reminiscing song. Um, yeah, it's one of those songs, man, even if you don't have memories of this song, it just it, it puts you in that mood of just reminiscing about whether you know life when you're a little kid or when you're a teenager young adult it just takes you back to that kind of time um and I, I haven't even like you know said any like my favorite lyrics or my favorite lines but uh there's definitely one line in here that I really love is uh you know he's just like I'm just a cowboy on a lonesome trail lord I'm just thinking about a certain female I, I love that line you know takes me back to I think I was like 12 or 13 years old and I uh my parents, you know, sent me the summer camp for a week and uh had a lot of fun at summer camp. at that summer camp. You know, me and my friend are hanging out, raising a bunch of hell, you know, hitting on some of the girls and uh, you know, making new friends and whatnot, going on adventures swimming. Uh it was a fun summer, but there was this there's this chick that like I knew in school who I had her phone number you know, this is before, like, you know, we had cell phones and whatnot for the kids had cell phones, so all I kept thinking about was, man, I, I just can't wait, though, to get back home, and I, I can call this girl, and, you know, maybe we can see a movie or something. It's just, it this song just takes me back to simpler times, you know, simpler times when, you know, you're just young and having fun when you're, like, a kid, and you had no responsibilities, your only concern was just having fun with your friends during the summer school's done you know you know maybe you want to call this girl and see her you know it's just it's such a feel-good song you know and the guitar work is amazing but it's just the the thing I love most about the song is just the feelings it gives me the way it makes me look back on my life and all the great memories I've made in life and I just keep I hope to keep making really great memories with this song it's uh, it almost makes it kind of emotional, but it always puts a smile on my face. It makes me happy, you know, about the life, all the great memories I've made in life. Uh, Edwin, what, what do you think about this song? It sounds like Edwin, you got some Ed,
1: stuff. Edwin, Edwin, before you say, I just want to say one more thing. is the Anthrax do an amazing cover of this song, if you've never heard it. I, I have, not have heard it. I'd like to hear that. Is it with Joey singing? It's with John Bush. It's amazing. It was on the B-side right. of Only.
3: Okay, I'll check it I got Yeah, to I'll check it, it out. I could, exactly. I could actually hear them doing a good version of that. This. Oh, okay, I got like a complicated uh, feelings about this song. Ooh. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. No. I, it was well. know, you would like where it ends up. <laughs> uh, in the beginning, when I first heard this song, uh, it was on the greatest hits. You know, you um, believe it or not, like with the exception of uh, "The Boys Are Back in Town" and uh, I feel like that might. It, I think what happened was that was the only song I ever heard growing up. That was the only song that they ever played on the radio. Again, I'm sure it was different if you were if I was a little older, but by the time I was listening to classic rock radio, the only song I heard ever was The Boys are uh, Back in Town. And of course, I knew that from movies too and stuff. But uh, I heard Jailbreak once. And that's what made me get that greatest hits, because I heard Jailbreak on classic rock radio, and it was like, oh, wow, that song fucking kicks ass. I like that a lot better than the Other Boys Are Back in Town song. So I ran out and got the greatest hits because I love Jailbreak. But, and this song was on it, of course, and I didn't like it. I thought it was corny. I don't like this song. Cowboy song. It's corny. (laughs) I didn't like it just, you know, and I really didn't like a lot of stuff on the album. There were a couple songs that had, like, A Bad Reputation was on it. I liked that. A Chinatown was on it. I liked that. I liked it. You know, there were the harder rockin' songs, you know, I liked. But but it didn't have Emerald. How fucked up is that? Anyway, so that was the shitty greatest hits I had. But anyway, but I remember Cowboy Song being one of, this and, like, Dancing in the Moonlight were two songs I did not like. This song has grown on me more than "Dance in the Moonlight, which that song's grown on me a little bit, but this song has grown on me actually a lot. I really love this song now. I wouldn't put it in my top 25. I don't love it as much as you guys, but I do love it, and I do get it now. Like, I do have that feeling. It is a, just one of so many of these beautiful, uplifting, rocking but yet still uplifting kind of songs and there is this childlike quality to it and the guitar work is amazing. It's got a, a chorus that's very soaring and cinematic and it's catchy and, and yeah, I love it. I think it's a great song and, but, yeah, definitely, I mean, there's probably about 30 or 40 Thin Lizzy songs I love more, but that's only because that's how great Thin Lizzy is. It's like you were saying, Stephen. That's how great they are, that they're a band where, it, you you would take... I don't know. I, there aren't really any bad Thin Lizzy songs. um You know, there's can, one or two songs. Think one. Yeah, well, Eric likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do you know which song I'm talking about? Uh, Eric, what, what's the song you think I'm referring to <laughs> that you like that I said is a horrible song?
2: Oh, man. Um, uh, the bo- Boogie woogie Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> that song's fucking good. Eric loves that song. <laughs> That's a good song. Oh, it's like they would just
1: fucking around in the studio didn't yeah I mean compared to everything that's how else good they, have, oh, that's how talented they are I don't dislike it I mean I'll <laughs> listen to it but I won't if you know if it's on the album and I'm listening to the album it'll stay on but I always laugh when I hear it I yeah, it's, a, it's a silly song it's a <laughs> well, silly.
2: well why don't we talk about a song that I think we can all agree on is a badass song and I'm talking about none other than bad reputation um I, I I guess I'll I'm gonna take this one because I'm gonna have to use the bathroom real soon. <laughs> I've been okay. drinking a lot. <laughs> um Bad Reputation, this song's fucking sexy. Um that's a that's a theme on this show. There's always like these songs on certain albums that like I'm just like, oh that's a sexy song. Um but it is, it's just so rocking. It's so badass and just uh this one too, uh you know, I've been talking about uh, a little bit about Brian Downing's uh drumming this is some probably his best drumming on a song. Just those fills he does, and the way the, you know, the drums sound—it's just so fucking amazing. It just, you know it hits you right in the dick, man. <laughs> this song, this song is just fucking awesome, and just you know, hello when Phil's just like turn yourself around. It's he sounds so cool, man. It's like don't don't ever fuck with Phil Lynott, man, because he will fuck your chick, man. Like he will like you'll you know when you're out, you know. When you're out being a dumbass, not giving your girl enough attention, Phil Lynott will sneak in through your bedroom door and he'll fuck your girl, man. He'll stretch her the fuck out, man. Phil Lynott, man, that guy can just write a sexy-ass tune. Fucking love Bad Reputation, man. Wait, What do you think about it, Edwin? I love it, too. I mean, yeah, I'm sure this is something we're all going to love. Uh,
3: number 11, by the way. It's number 11, uh, Bad Reputation, title track from the album. Great album, amazing album. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the drumming. I think it's uh, I think it's Brian Downey's best drumming. Uh, it's, it's amazing, and that's saying a lot, but yeah, those fills, the groove. I, I love the sound of the that like kind of wah wah guitar and the verses. The you know it has this kind of it's it's funky. It's a funky song, and then this is the thing. It's both funky and hard rocking at the same time. At the same time. And and just like Eric said when he does the whole turn yourself around, like he just sounds so badass. It sounds like he's not only fucking your girl, he's stabbing you with a fucking switchblade. It's just a tough, swaggering, street punk kind of song. And it kind of has it all. It's got a little bit of a punk rock attitude, but a hard rock, funky swagger. And oh man, it's just, I mean. It's, it's bad re- reputation, you know. How could you not love bad reputation? This song just kicks all kinds of ass. It's one of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs. Never gets old. What do you think of it, Steve?
1: Uh, yeah, I love it. It's a great song. It's a little different um, the way, you know, I remember, I don't know if I heard uh, an interview or, or I read something, but this song is supposed to be loosely about Brian Robertson because... You know, he wasn't there for the writing of this album and they kind of wrote it with him in mind, the lyrics. Um, and also cause it, that he was known as being a, you know, a bad guy and not like yeah. a, a horrible yeah. person. I mean, you know, he was a fighter. He was always in trouble. And uh, there was, I think it was Scott Gorham was saying that, you know, he had the, like an idea for the riff and Phil was like, let's make it like kind of off time. And then I think Phil and Brian Downey worked together to like do, it's like a weird, you know it's not a normal timing you know you know what i mean
2: it's yeah kind of strange. it's strange weird yeah
1: uh, and that's that's that was phil and brian downey coming up with that on on scott's uh riff really, and that's how the song came about and it is it's it's definitely definitely different again you know on, the, on the, um i think it's on i don't know I, the, the drumming in there is great because like Downey goes off on it doesn't he, at the end i like, think and uh You know, it's it's a real drumming song. That that that's that's a bit like uh, the Warriors' song to me, where you know Brian Downey kind of you know really goes into his own on that song. But yeah, it's it's a very it's a different song. You know, when you first hear it or when you know it for after a long time, you're like, yeah, it's it's Lizzie, it's it's adaptation, it's a great song. But if you really listen to the to the structure of the song, it's it's a real offbeat kind of the way that it's done. But yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's a classic. It's brilliant, brilliant song.
3: Awesome. So now we are finally entering the top 10. Here we go, the top 10 Thin Lizzy songs. Uh, And again, thank you to Ryan T. Russell for (laughs) helping us combine our three top 25s to create one definitive Rock Over You podcast. Top 25 Thin Lizzy songs. And... God, this next goddamn song. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. What a fucking song. And it's the first time we're talking about this album. Um, One of my favorite, and for a long time, this was my favorite Thin Lizzy album. It kind of, I like, again, I, I hate picking one, you know? So, I don't know. It depends. Like, some weeks it's fighting. Some weeks it's, you know... Uh, it, it could be Bad Reputation, you know, and, 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 and definitely some weeks it could be this album, Black Rose, A Rock <clears> Legend, <throat> such an amazing album, the only one to feature Gary Moore throughout the whole album, he plays a bit on Nightlife, and um, I think that's it, I mean, is the, Steven, what does Gary Moore play on anything else, I mean, I know he did some live shows with him. Uh, uh, you mean
1: on recorded albums? Record, yeah, on recorded um, albums. Yeah, I think it was a very, a very very early incarnation of the film. Like, well, I don't know, actually. I mean, because it was Eric Bell, so... Yeah, I know he plays a little on The Nightlife, but that's... um Yeah, but I think he was, I don't know if he actually ever recorded any of the very early albums. I guess that was, yeah. I that was just Eric Bell. So, no, actually. I think this was his, like, one major, his one real... I mean, don't hold me to it. If any Lizzie fanatic is listening to this, they're probably like yelling at me, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure that this is his only full album. I mean, all the other, you know, early albums. um, Yeah, well,
3: according to Wikipedia, it is the only full... Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's the only full album that Gary Moore plays because, you know, he stepped in and replaced uh, Robbo. Uh, I don't think it was supposed to be, like, a a thing forever. I think it was just, like, he was stepping in and helping them for a period. yeah. Uh, but what, yeah. oh, what a goddamn album. And this song, this song, <laughs> number 10 on our list is Do Anything You Wanna Do. Goddamn, yeah. this song. Yeah, I'll start it off. It, it's an anthem for the motherfucking ages. This is one of, this is a song I was thinking about when I was saying earlier that there's something very uplifting about their songs and they have this really positive message and one song i said is probably the most positive song ever written and it's this song i feel like we would live in a better world if every song if every nation had this as the national anthem (laughs) (laughs) every country should be forced to have this as the national anthem and i don't think there'd be wars (laughs) people would all just be going off and trying to enjoy life for the fullest and that's that's it's a running theme in a lot of Phil's songs that we've already discussed, this idea of embracing life, you know, doing what you want to do, and not, you know, being not allowing other people to like rain on your parade or discourage you or put you in a box, you know. It's it's a song about freedom. And it's a song about the joy of freedom. And that's the thing too. It's hard to do a song that's like like almost like a motivational song and not have it be cheesy sounding. But Phil pulls it off. Something about the way he sings it, the groove. Oh, I love the the sound of the drums and bass in the beginning. And it just kind of gets you in there. You're just hooked in immediately. You're like psyched and into it. And then the beautiful guitar melodies. And it's just uplifting. And it's an anthem that's not corny. It's an anthem that just sounds true and pure and strong and noble and righteous. And the more I hear this song every time, I just love it more and more. And I was listening to this, and how many times I've heard this song, and this was on The Greatest Hits. I didn't fully appreciate it back when I was a punk teenager and listened to this song, but I totally appreciate it now. It gets me through dark periods. It's it's like a Rocky song, you know, but it's also (laughs) like about individuality and embracing your individuality. And just like, this is the thing. It's like what I love is like just the lyric. They do anything you want to do. It, it's just like saying, like, there's so much potential we have as human beings that so many people just follow, you know, the formula of what, what's set up for them. Like, oh, work at this job, this nine to five job, do this. You, you, you know, you got to do all these things. And he's saying that, guess what? You can do anything you want to do. <laughs> you know, you don't have to just do this thing because everyone else does it. You know, you can live a life less ordinary. And as a person myself who has chosen, you know, the path less, you know, taken, I I live a life less ordinary, and it's tough sometimes, you know. Any I think self-employed creative person has periods where they, they it's rough. You're kind of like out there. You do feel like an outlaw, and that's why I connect with a lot of Bill's uh, lyrics in Final lizzie But there's a freedom about it too, and there is a joy. There is a joy. And not succumbing to a kind of, uh, you know, a stale kind of formulaic exist- existence. And I'm not shitting. I'm not saying that people have stability and a nice job and that makes them happy and family and that's fine. And if, that, if that's what they want to do, then that's great. But that's the whole idea. There's he's saying you can do anything you want to do, whether it's working that kind of job or not working that kind of job or just being married, not being married, you know, being straight, gay, whatever you want to goddamn do, as long as you're not hurting someone else or you know, invading in their rights to do something they want to do, it's a it's the pursuit of happiness and it's the joy of happiness. In a lot of ways, me gushing about the song, I realize it's kind of the most important song Phil wrote. I feel like it's his definitive <laughs> statement. And and this is something else, you know, we've talked about, Eric, and it's something I know I've heard like Rafiara and Eva Wadley talk about, is one thing that we love about a lot of like late 70s, early 80s heavy metal and hard rock is, is the music's, and even a lot of the pop music too, is it's very, it's very upbeat, it's very optimistic, it's very positive, it's about embracing life, it's life-affirming music, and it's music that's saying, you know, go and do what you want to do, and if people you know are haters fuck them don't worry about it you just keep being you and we don't have enough of that in music these days I feel like music like so much of culture nowadays is very cynical and empty and and negative I just think it's very yeah. negative and and there was something just very positive about this music and like I said another kind of band or with a different singer maybe it would come off as a little bit kind of corny but not in thin lizzie's shoot you know not with thin lizzie handling it not with phil singing it he sells it and i love this song i think it's very important it's one of my favorite songs of all time and i'm glad that it broke the top 10 so what do you
2: think of it eric oh god uh i you know you took a lot of the words out of my mouth man i i love this song dude um First time I gave this song a chance um, was because of, uh, you know, you mentioned his name, Ralph Vieira. Um, he did a review on the Black Rose album, and that was what finally <laughs> broke me. That was what made me go, I need to check out this thing, Lizzy band because this album sounds amazing. And uh, it's, like, one of my favorite songs off that album, man. You know, I, you know, I love the fucking lyrics. Um, that's the biggest thing. And, like you said, you know, it... You know, AR band did this song. They had come off as kind of corny, but the way Phil Lynott sings it, it just sounds cool. And it really does motivate you. You know, this song, you know, has helped me through some really tough times in life. You know, I, you know, I'm, you know, I've had some, t- I've had some rough times in life, man. There are times I've been sleeping in my car, had no home, um, just reeled down my luggage. Time, you know, I've, you know, I had my problems back in the day. You know issues with addiction and you know this and that you know I had a lot of issues man a lot of times where I was really down on my luck and like really struggling um and this is one of those songs man that always kind of helped me through those rough times and that it always motivated me that life will get better and you know I you know life ain't perfect you know I my life still isn't like perfect but I mean I from where I was you know a few years ago You know, I I have a roof over my head. I have an amazing job, amazing family. Um, you know, obviously, I've made so many amazing friends through the Rock and Mel Combat, you know, podcast community. You know, I I got a lot of great things going on in my life, man. Just to think, you know, at one point in my life, I was, you know, at rock bottom and, uh, I was able to, to fight back and, you know, get my life a little bit together, and, you know, be where I am today, it's, you know, it's because of songs like this, if I didn't have songs like this kind of helping me through the rough times, you know, I don't think I would have ever gotten through it, man, and, uh, yeah, I, I love this fucking song, man, you know, you know, it just proves me, you know, no matter what life throws at me, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do, because fucking Phil Lime not told me I can, Damn. um, and I you know, I, I thank Phil Lynott every day for writing this song and you know, all these other artists that wrote great songs that helped me through those times. because um, without this kind of music, man, I who knows if I will have ever been able to, you know, beat some of the things, some of the challenges that life threw at me. And uh I, I fucking love this song, man. I owe a lot of a lot of the great things that I have in my life right now I owe a lot to this fucking song. Steven, what do you think of uh Do anything you wanna do?
1: Uh, oh, I mean, you two have covered it all. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a great song. That whole Black Rose album with Gary Moore is definitely it's a departure. amazing. It was a departure. That was de- that's the thing, you know, when Snow is in, they take a certain way. When you know, when Sykes is in, it goes one way. And with this album, because it's a one-off with Gary, to me, this album just sticks out a little. Bit. Not sticks out in a good or bad way. It just it's a little different to the Lizzy sound. I think. Maybe a bit more Celtic because you've got Gary's influence in there. who's was also Irish, um, but it's a great song, and I, I love it. Have you ever seen the video to this, it's,
2: I love um, it. Yeah, it's kind
1: of funny, and it's very driven by the drums, which you can, sh- you know, which shows you in the video as well. They've got those big kettle drums that whatever they are called, that they're whacking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 um, it's a great song. I'm, I'm not um, like I love Black Rose the album. I mean, I, I love all Lizzie's stuff, as you all well know. But it's, it's not. I know a lot of people. They love this album. It's their top album. But for me, it's you know, it's definitely it's it's further down the list for me with, with the Lizzy stuff. But it's still it's still great. And I just think that the sound was very influenced by by Gary Moore. Just the sound, the production, the songs are a little bit different to so like other Lizzy albums. Um, still a great album. But um, but yeah, this song didn't make it into my top twenty five.
3: Wow, but. At least you know it's still great. Okay. Uh, Number nine, you can lead this off. I think, uh, Stephen, you should talk about this one first. Number nine, probably. I'd say the most. Yeah, this is second most
2: popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: this is the second most popular Thin Lizzy song. Definitely the second most known, and that is the title track from their biggest studio album, (laughs) Jailbreak. So, (laughs) Stephen, talk about Jailbreak.
1: Um, Okay, so obviously this is. One of the very first Lizzie songs that I, you know, was ingrained into me because uh, of my story in the last episode. Um, I love the song. Uh, the studio album, is, the studio version is great. I think the live version is is even better. And um, I I think that this I've got again. I keep going back to like the Peel sessions and even like uh, on Live album. Um, and then the live at, in Reddit, you know, the BBC Reading one with John Sykes, where they just heavy it up. Even. It's already a nice, heavy song, but like Sykes takes it up to another level, just much crunchier song. Uh, it's, it's a great, I mean, it's just a classic. It was a classic lead-off song, uh, you know, to come out to, um, you know, to start a show. And... I, you know, there's a, I've heard a few good covers, and you may laugh because, uh, I, well, you, I'm sure you all know I'm a big Bon Jovi fan, which yeah. some people kind of get disappointed. Um, that reminds uh, at <laughs> the
3: end of the episode, uh, ask us about Bon Jovi because there's something we want to ask you. Okay. Yeah. But
0: right. you
1: well, I know, I know that they. I don't know if I'm going to spoil it, but I know they did a terrible cover of Boys Are Back in Town. Absolutely oh, nice. awful, god-awful cover. And um, But I've heard Bon Jovi do a cover of Jailbreak. I don't think it was Bon Jovi. I think it was John Bon Jovi solo. And it's, yeah. it's great. He does a great version of it. But no, Jailbreak is just... I don't know. What else can you say about... It? It's very hard to... It's just a classic song. It's absolutely fantastic. And... You know, I just wish people that know Lizzie just for The Boys Are Back in Town or Jailbreak would you... and if you like it, just, you know, delve into it, into the rest of the Lizzie catalogue, because if you like this stuff, you know, you're gonna love the rest of it, but it's just a brilliant song, it's a great way it kicks off Live and Dangerous, it kicks off the studio album. I mean, god damn, I don't- I, I, Honestly, I don't know what to say other than it's just brilliant. And it was number, I think on my list, it was- it was like number five or something. Yeah, number let's see jailbreak number four for me my fourth favorite song yeah all right
3: uh, and what do you think of it
2: eric it's a great one um i'm not quite as burned out on this one as i am boys are back in town um and i think the thing that helps is i, I never thought boys are back in town was really the greatest song ever but this one i always felt was good um am a little burnt out on it but uh i still love it and uh it always reminds me of uh I'm gonna make a oh my god kiss reference. <laughs> um, it reminds me of Detroit Rock City. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie. Uh, they play the song when they go to bust out their friend Jam from uh, this you know private Catholic school to take him to a Kiss concert. So it, it's always kind of cool. It makes me think of that movie. I, I like the song, man. It's pretty good. What do you think of it, Edwin? I
3: love it. It's great. There's a little bit of burnout factor, but not so much that I still didn't have it in my top 20. Like, it's still, Jailbreak still had to be in there. It's yeah. just so catchy. It's like I said, I was never, um, I wasn't a fan when I was a teenager. I wasn't a fan of The Boys or Back in Town. But when I heard this song, this song made me run out and buy Greatest Hits. And like I said, even though I found the Greatest Hits at the time underwhelming, I did always love this song. And over the years, it's a song that has stuck to me. It doesn't, considering how many times I've heard this song, there's not that much burnout factor. There's just a little bit. Like, the difference is I feel like this would have been, like, in my top five, like, you know, ten years ago, but not anymore, you know? But it's still in the top twenty, it's a classic, it's just so catchy, it's everything that Thin Lizzy does well, but still kind of throws a few unique curveballs that are just kind of in jailbreak, and that guitar sound, just so badass during the verses, the, you know, the, the main riff there, just so badass sounding, Phil sounds great, the whole band sounds great, the live version's probably even better, I think, uh, but it, it was a great way to kick off that, you know, that live album, Live and Dangerous, but this is, uh, it, it's great, I mean, I love it, you know, it's Jailbreak, everyone knows Jailbreak's great, how can you not like it, Now I gotta say, this is probably one of the, I don't know. I, I bounce. I don't They're two different songs, but they're both mid-70s songs by two of my favorite bands. So uh, th- I'm talking about ACDC's Jailbreak. I, I I don't know which one I like better. <laughs> I mean, I love them both. Um, this one they're might very honestly, different. But they're very different. So it's Apples and oranges. And, yeah. <laughs> so I can't compare. I, like, I love them both. I, I'm, I'm glad that we live in a world where two awesome bands gave us two awesome songs called Jailbreak.
1: You know, can I, just, I just want to say one more thing. I, about this song and it's so bizarre and I'm sure when he's singing the lyrics and he's singing tonight there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town isn't it going to be the jail? like what he's acting like they don't know where it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be in the jail it's like somewhere in this town how many jails are in this town that they're, they're, they're not quite sure which jail which one they're going to break out of it's
2: kind of a weird <laughs> like lyric, lyric. you think about it may your friends in detention may your friends in detention and like even though it's not a jail, like maybe they're breaking their friend out of detention or, you know, like in the case of Detroit Rock City, their friend was at a boarding school and they're like, well, you need to see this KISS concert. We're not going without him, so we're going to go break him out, you know. Jailbreak may, could not be a, a jail, per se. It could just well, be, know you know, you're the breaking silence. your friend. All the it, going it does there.
3: have a siren, but I got I think it's less, it's not
2: as literal as like the ACDC okay. jailbreak. I think yeah.
3: it's more metaphoric.
2: Or sneaking right. out of your house for uh, sneaking out of your house to go see a concert or go see a girl or something, you know, and you're not supposed to because it's yeah. past curfew. I, I mean, it, it still feels like you know you're like, oh man, it's almost like you're escaping from jail because, like, man, if my parents find out, they'll they'll fucking kill me. Yeah, yeah I, I never, I never it, looked, I never looked at it like that, but
1: I just literally looked at it like, well, they're breaking out of the jail, you know, like you will. <laughs> Yeah, I
3: think it's, like, metaphoric, and it's just, like, you know, another one of his, like, youthful outlaw kind of going yeah. out and, like, breaking, you know, fucking shit up and breaking the rules that, and that makes jailbreaking. More, that makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> It's also, it's like, just, when people say they're jailbreaking their phone, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, speaking of outlaws, why don't we talk about the next song, Johnny? Uh, Edwin, why don't you take the song Johnny from the Johnny the Fox Album. Johnny the Fox. Have
3: we had a song from Johnny the Fox? I don't
2: think yet? so. I think okay.
3: this is the first one. Alright, yeah. There's a couple albums like Black Rose, Johnny the Fox, where maybe they are well represented in the top 10, but we haven't been talking about them yet. So, yeah, this might be the first Johnny the Fox song. Uh, there was a time where Johnny the Fox was my favorite album. Um, it's my favorite. Um, as it's a great as of album. It, it, like I said, it keeps changing a bit, but yeah, it's an amazing album. It's very consistent, save for that last song, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's great, it's always weird, I don't know, I feel, I put Johnny and Rocky both on this list, and Rocky didn't, uh, I'm just going to say it now, uh, <laughs> we got enough interesting things to keep people in suspense about, but Rocky did not make it, <laughs> alright, and I just, I want to bring it up now, because this is the time to talk about it, because I feel like Johnny and Rocky are kind of like part one, part two, I, I know they are technically two different songs but you know what i mean like i don't know i feel it's weird that johnny's on the list and rocky's not but that's just me um i love both those songs and to me they're like part one part two they like rocky just kind of launches off after johnny but i mean i love this song even if it doesn't have rocky after it i i love this song it's it was on my list and um it was in my top 20 it's one it's one of my favorite thin lizzie songs it's just so rocking and this has a little bit of that jailbreak uh groove it's not like as um immediately memorable it's a little more subtle compared to jailbreak but it has that groove and the more you listen to it yeah the more you get into it and you get into the groove and it's heavy and it's rocking and it's got swagger and you know all the classic phil Linet outlaws you know kind of characters that he loves singing about johnny you know these bad boys and yeah, and I, I love it. I love this song. I also love Rocky that comes right afterwards, which, <laughs> I, which was also on the list. But this, Pajani is a great song from a great album, and it kicks ass. And man, it's just tough sounding. Just tough sounding street thug rock and roll.
1: I love it. I love it. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, great song. Uh, I don't know two songs you mentioned in my list, but um, yeah, it's a great song. And I think the lyrics make the music. Obviously, is great. But the storyline is just great. I mean, he still just pulls you in with the characters. I love when he sings about characters and there's a real storyline, whether it's about a guy being guilty, you know, a love story or, or or a tough guy, whatever it is, just drags you right in there. And, you know, you you want to know more about the characters. You really want to know what you, got, you can get invested in the people. Um, so, yeah, great, great song. Uh, that was the opener for that album, right? yep yes yeah, first yes yeah. johnny and then yeah it goes into rocky yeah and then dropped. goes into rocky yes yeah, so, and i agree they they're very similar songs like they could easily you know it's a, it's a good one-two punch for that album yeah uh, um but yeah that it's that's a, it's a great song i mean you pretty much <laughs> said said it all
3: so what do you think eric of johnny
2: oh man johnny's a fucking phenomenal song um you know, like I said, Johnny the Fox, um, that's probably my favorite, uh, Thin Lizzy album as of right now, and it well, was just a great way to kick off the album. I love, uh, Phil's storytelling, and, uh, Steven, no offense to you, man, I know you're a Bon Jovi fan, but, you know, fuck that living on a prayer bullshit, man. That's, <laughs> you know, that's not a tell a story song, man. That's some, uh, that's some weak shit, man. For me, it's like Phil Lynott's the guy that can tell a story with his songs, cause it's, it's, it's real you feel it you know um you know it's just you know great storytelling about you know this this guy you know gets arrested this guy lives a life of crime um amazing song i love that rhythm that uh yeah rhythm the guitar work in there and uh i don't know if you guys ever heard the there's a band called night demon newer heavy metal band that i really love and they do a song Called "Are You Out There?" and it's kind of like a their homage to Thin Lizzy, and they make a couple little references to uh, certain Thin Lizzy songs in the lyrics. And uh, this is definitely a song that you know influenced you know their song a hell of a lot. I don't know if you guys ever heard that song. Yeah, I have. The, i,
1: I have the, yeah, I have a couple of their albums. You know, that, you know, uh, they've just like, they've just covered the sun goes down. Did you hear that
2: yet? I haven't heard that one yet, but it's yeah, very different, but it's really good. I gotta check it out. Yes, yeah, I like love I some Night that. Demon. Yeah, Night Demon's a pretty good band. Oh, amazing! Yeah, if you're if you're a Thin Lizzy fan though, and you're listening to this episode, you gotta check out their song called "Are You Out There." Definitely, a total, it's like their tribute to Thin Lizzy. They make so many references to certain songs, and it sounds like a Thin Lizzy song. It's
3: kind of like the Maiden Hell
2: song that they got. Yeah, right? so, yeah. exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah
3: you love Night Demon, uh, Steven. It's your two favorite bands. Uh,
1: <laughs> big I, I, actually, I downloaded the first album and I,
2: I don't really remember it, I didn't listen to it that much. But I did download the second album, I think, is mm. uh, their best one.
1: Well, I did download The Sun Goes Down from the new album that's coming out, and mm-hmm. it's got a lot of mixed reviews from Lizzie fans. But I think it's a great cover, and um, I'm excited to hear the rest of the album now, so I'll, I'll probably check it out when it comes out
3: cool i like that i like when bands do the cover you don't expect them to do so yeah, yeah. i'd like to check it's like when overkill did changes you know black Sabbath changes and i love that version of the song so uh yeah i definitely like the i'm curious how night demon approaches that song
2: um you got anything else to say about johnny before we move on no man uh i'm a i'm gonna jump into emerald because i actually really I, I love this fucking song Oh, really? You and, like, everyone else? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, Emerald, man, I mean, this is a fucking phenomenal song. Um, This is one of their, you know, heavier songs. Very much, you know, guitar-driven. It's a little metal song. It's it's epic, too. Like, uh, I think he's singing about, like, a battle or something. And, um, you know he's singing like about like a battle or something so kind of some medieval stuff going on um i get like a kind of a richie blackmore with rainbow vibe like maybe like a rainbow rising long live the king kind of vibe like it sounds like something they could have done on uh, one of those two albums with rainbow um just an amazing song and i know this is one of those songs like if you know uh, you know hard rock or heavy metal band if they do a, like a covers album or something they pull out a thin lizzie cover this is usually always one that they'll play and obviously you know you can tell why because it's such a guitar driven song such a heavy metal hard rock song i love i love emerald uh steven what do you think of emerald uh
1: okay this song is obviously a classic um the guitar solo in this you know where it's um, you know the part where it kind of slows down yeah and the guitars that the, the twin guitars go into each other and then go absolutely crazy that is just spectacular I think it's Lizzie at their very very best uh, this particular song and this song is a, it's basically it's very Celtic feel um, yeah And it's very... And the the lyrics you are talking about, like, what it's about. It's about Celtic mythology, really. um, About, you know, because obviously Phil... is. Very very into all that. So, yeah, it's a classic song. I just have to say there's two covers of this song. Overkill, just because you were talking about them, they did a cover of this song. Have you ever heard that one?
3: Yeah. yeah. I was going to actually bring up the (laughs) cover. Yeah, I I, (laughs) I
1: don't... I, I mean, I love Overkill, but it's just... It's too weird to hear... Bobby singing uh, that, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I
3: like it. I don't like it as much as the original, but um, and I don't think it's one of their best covers. But it, it's serviceable. It was an it's like a bonus track yeah, on their yeah. last then, uh, album, actually. And, and then, but well, uh, was serviceable. You and know, it, the
1: other the other cover, which I don't know how you, I know you guys are nut swingers for Ace, but holy fuck, does he butcher Emerald? I I like it. Holy I crap! I, I, I it probably is actually, so bad.
3: Oh my god! I, I like, Ace has one of those voices. Like he's no Phil, he's no Phil, but he does have one thing in common with Phil. He does that jivey kind of talk singing thing, and he's oh. just kind of a. It's, he just sounds cool. I like. I now I, 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 I just heard a, a live version of it that somebody posted a live. Oh, this, I, it. this is the studio version I'm referring to, which. No, I believe, no no! I,
1: the studio version I don't like because he's it, it, changed. Like I think I feel like. He's, like, left chunks of the song out as well, which is I high. think they just wanted cool.
3: to kind of get to the guitar So I believe it's Slash, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it, Ace it is Flash. Slash. It is yeah, Slash. So, yeah. so it's really just a showcase. It's 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 for Ace oh, and Slash like to have fun and solo on Emerald. Oh, so cool. I like it. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not... can't compare it to the original. Uh, cool. None of the covers, actually. Emerald is not a song. And I don't even think it's the best... And well, actually for Ace To Do, I think there was other more kind of more of the street club kind of songs that would have well, been better
1: for Ace. One one more cover of it that you should definitely check out okay. is a band called Dare, which is Darren Morton's band. Yeah, I haven't heard this one. It's it's an acoustic version. It's on one of his albums, it's on that. Oh, that's interesting. It's yeah, that's different. Oh my god, it's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. It's on one of his can't remember which album, but definitely um, check it out if you can it's there and it's you know it's uh his version of emerald it's it's a beautiful absolutely beautiful
3: well that that's the way to do it with this one i mean that's the one thing even though i say all these like heavy metal and hard rock covers or of emerald are serviceable you, you just can never top what scott and rabo are doing you just can't do it i mean it's like their shining moment and you all you can do is kind of imitate a bit yeah yeah for sure and so that's where i'd almost prefer just to hear something totally different like an acoustic version of the yeah it's great checking it yeah and it's it's a a little like when you know also like when ace does like a led zeppelin cover or something like that or it's like it's serviceable but it's like you're not playing like jimmy page you know right so yeah it's just like as much as i love ace he's one of my favorite guitars but it's serviceable it's fun but it's not one of those covers. There's some covers he does, like that mountain cover. Like, sometimes he, I think he elevates a song and does a really great job. He does some great covers. But Emerald was just serviceable. But, okay, what I think of this song, of course, like everyone, I love it. This was one of the songs early on. I remember... The first time I heard it was like maybe a year or two after I had that greatest hits that didn't have it on it,
1: <laughs> and I remember "That's weird." It. Yeah, and I did remember get, here, Edwin. Did you get your greatest hits from which? I mean, I can't. It really... was called. I think it was Essential <laughs> in Lizzie. was the name of it? Non-essential
3: tin. <laughs> yeah. <thin laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it had essential. I guess Emerald technically was not a single. Would
1: be my. Oh, guess. okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why. But
3: obviously, I'd say it's their most popular and well-known. I wouldn't call it a deep track, but it, it's not, non-single. Like, you know, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. most known non-single. Like you said, uh, Stephen, uh, whenever a hard rock, especially a heavy metal band, is going to cover Thin Lizzy, they always pick this song. This is always yeah. the obvious song to go to. And you've got to it's epic. It's like you definitely hear a lot of influence on Iron Maiden, especially later Maiden, where they get really caught up in this Celtic shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I know Ian Wadley hates Celtic. He even hates
1: Emerald. Like I know he does. I know. Really? Like, yeah. But then, then like, he off. like he likes so I can't really take. That yeah. What the it. fuck? Just not like Irish jig music. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you know what? I like I said this this to be this is the ultimate. Well, actually, I think, and we'll maybe talk about later another song, um, that's like even more so the ultimate Irish jig Celtic song that they did. But they wouldn't have had that song if they didn't do this song first. This is when they really there was already with the twin lead guitar work of, you know, Scott and Robbo, where there was kind of a Celtic quality to their playing that was kinda of different than how than what UFO or Judas Priest were doing with their twin guitar attacks. And obviously with this song, this is where they really leaned into that. And then with Phil with the, the, the song itself, the verses, is like you know, he gets into like he was saying the, the Celtic mythology and all that. And it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. And that's the interesting thing about Phil, too. It's like he, he was so many contradictions, and that's what made him a complex, interesting guy. You know, he's both white and black. He's both he's both yeah. a, a rocker and a soul man. He's both a someone who's an outsider, but yet really loves to embrace Irish culture and the heritage of it. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of like all these things, you know? And that's the thing about Emerald. It's just like he's embracing... Being an Irishman, even though he's a lot of times feels like an outsider and was made to feel like an outsider, you know, so he's embracing both. And that's why I just think he's a very positive figure and makes really cool music that I mean, who else is going to do a song like Emerald? You know, this like this, it's the most got you can't. It's the ultimate St. Patrick's Day song. (laughs) though in this yeah so it's it's an awesome song i love it 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 doesn't maybe it has a a very minor touch of burnout factor but probably even less than jailbreak and i love this album i mean i love this uh i mean i love this song and yeah it's a masterpiece you know emerald and it should be lucky seven lucky the irish so it's perfect seven okay let's go into six i'm gonna have eric uh lead this one off because it's from his favorite album it was the single from that album don't believe a word. At number six.
2: What oh do you th- man, I'm I'm glad you let me take this one first, I love, 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 love. Don't believe a fucking word. Uh, this man, this this would probably be in like my top. Uh, this would have to be in my top five. I'm I'm not. I'm pretty sure it was in my top five on my list. I don't have it in front of me, but this song is just fucking amazing. The guitar work it's almost like uh reminds me a little bit of like michael shanker with like ufo like some doctor doctor kind of riffage um and i just i I love the lyrics of it and there's two there's like well three versions of the song you know you got the the standard version on the album which is like the more heavier version that i'm talking about um but they also do like a slower version like a real soft version and then they have the live version where it's slow, but then they kind of start jamming at the end. And I love all three versions. Um, and in the review on Rock and Mel Combat Podcast, Ian Wadley kind of said it best, where it's like, you know, the two versions are great because, you know, the first version that's a little bit heavier, it's kind of like, you know, Phil's talking with like an attitude, like, you know, don't believe a word, you know, that I wrote this song for you. It's like he's telling this girl that he dumped, you know, this song ain't about you, don't worry about it, he's trying to be all cool, you know, and like, you know, you don't matter to me anymore, this song ain't about you. Um, whereas the softer version, it's almost like he's writing like a song there about his heart getting broken, and he's trying to say, no, this ain't about you, When he's trying to hide those feelings inside, you know, and it it's amazing because, you know, him slowing down the tempo in one version almost kind of completely changes the whole meaning of the lyrics in the song. But, man, it's just such a beautiful song. There's a great version on YouTube um, where it's uh, Thin Lizzy with Gary Moore playing, and they do, like, the version where it's like they start off real slow, and even Phil and Gary trade off vocals, and I, I love Gary's voice. Um, it's kind of an acquired taste, but I-, I love Gary's voice. And then at the end, they just start jamming, and even uh, Gary, like, breaks, like, the top string on his guitar, and he's still just killing it, you know, just jamming with Scott Gorham you know it's just badass I love Don't Believe a Word man either version of it um, whether you listen to the Live at Last version whether you listen to the studio version um, you know any other version that's out there you know they all work and they're all amazing for their own special reason Um, Steven what do you think of Don't Believe a Word
1: yeah this is brilliant this is like this is like 2 minutes and 18 seconds of just genius Uh, this was number three on my list and um yeah the guitar solo in this is incredible it, it, it's just wah-wah crazy I, you know rob <laughs> Robertson and he just goes nuts on the wah-wah pedal uh, i love that solo and it's just such a compact song it, there's so much going on in two minutes i think it's the shortest song i have done it's just over before you know you're getting into it and it's done but it's so good and the the versions that you're talking about like on Life Live, they do that that extended the slower version yeah and but when it gets heavy or gets faster it's kind of weird because the slow version is still playing but the guitars it's a little different i have a version which came out it was the b-side on the 12-inch single of cold sweat and it's the greatest version of this song um I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. Yeah, guys. I'd like to. Hear, yeah, I'd like it, to hear it. It is that. brilliant. It's because what it does is it starts off. Well, first of all, it starts off with Phil saying It's a song about you know, that he wrote about a girl from Hammersmith that he met in Hammersmith, and and then it, that's how if you do kind of Google it and you hear that beginning, but that's just how you know it's the song I'm talking about. But it, they they start off really slow, um, and it's just beautiful. And then they go into the heavy but it's just frantic with the guitars there's loads of extended guitar solos at the end they're just going absolutely bonkers and it's absolutely amazing and i think it was actually with snowy white i think it was from the renegade tour Mm -hmm. which was you know i think that's when it was yeah because i think it was recorded i think i remember it said it was recorded in 81 i have a version of them on my phone and um yeah it's, it's just brilliant it's a brilliant song uh i've heard you know, quite a few good covers from this of this song. Um, yeah, it's just—I think Andy Taylor does a great version. You know, from Duran Duran, he has um, an album out. It came out years ago. I don't even think it's in print anymore, but I have it, and it's called *Dangerous*. And it's ten songs, and he does—it's sort a of covers album, and he does "Don't Believe a Word." And he does a brilliant version. of I mean, it's—it's it's very true to the original, uh, but he was a big Lizzie fan. It's a great version, and if you—if you ever get a chance to check that album, he does. He's got High Wire by A C D C Cocaine mm. on it. By, Ooh, nice. Ah, uh, dude, check it out. It's a. Brilliant oh, definitely. Film.
3: I like all those songs. So yeah. Uh, like check it it, out. It, it, yeah, it's brilliant. It is a brilliant. And I'm a Duran Duran fan. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I like Duran Duran.
1: I didn't, especially their yeah early eighties, like yeah, mid eighties I, I, I did not dig them at the time, but now I, I love them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check Andy Taylor's uh, Dangerous album out if you can see it on YouTube. As well. It's really, right. really really good. I so, don't yeah, album. Great and, great album.
3: And uh, don't believe it word. Believe it or not, uh, this didn't make my top twenty-five. But oh, what the it, fuck! It, it, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it was twenty-six. This is interesting when I saw this on the list because this was the one I was most torn on about not being in my top twenty-five. Uh, I had the problem was I just loved all these other songs more. That that it, and then it came down. It was almost a tie. Like it was a tie between this and one other song that did make the top five. That's all I say. There's a song that's in the top five that this song was battling it out for, and and I had to go with the other song. But I wasn't entirely sure about it, but I was like, oh, you gotta choose, you gotta choose. And then I thought to myself, I'm sure the other two guys will probably take this anyway, so I'm sure I'll <laughs> represent it. And the other song, I wasn't as sure about So I kind of went with the underdog. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, and I'm glad I did because then they, they both made the list as a result. So um, but I love this song. Yeah, this song's amazing. Um, and again, it's all about like time. like hell, if it was a like a couple weeks ago, maybe I would have made it in my top 25, but it just it just missed it. But, but it was the song that I was most glad to see made the list. <laughs> I was like that made me feel better because <laughs> I felt bad about it not being on. It's great. There's another uh, did you hear the, the studio? there was like a new stereo remix that was one of the bonus tracks from the deluxe edition of this album i don't know if you've heard that yeah it's actually real it's really good it's really punchy and yeah and it actually makes when i listened to that i was like as much as i love the 70s productions i kind of would like to hear the whole album's kind of remixed like this because it just sounded even better it's amazing and i don't normally like when they remix older albums but but you know, like I said, I like uh, White Snakes has done that a few times uh, recently in recent years, and I think they've done a good job. But normally I don't like that. But this was a really good remix. This uh, this song it just made it sound even punchier and heavier without losing its swagger and attitude. By this point, we're almost probably going to say less about these songs because a lot of the things about them that we love we've already kind of talked about. Like it's it has that classic Bill Lynott, you know attitude and swagger and this is the bad boy side this is the bad reputation side you know and it just has that the groove the guitars it's like a snake it's like serpentine like you know it's snake it's sexy you know it's sexy and bad and he's a bad boy and great lyrics very clever and yeah it's got like it's not a song that you would immediately think but you kind of hear like Lemmy when he did songs like one track mine and stuff like that like like, as a songwriter, and the, the way he, you know, kind of creates this attitude through the lyrics, is, like, you could tell that that was an influence on Lyman, you know? And, you know, this, and of course, Rob was on this song, and was on that album that I'm was talking about. All Thin Lizzy fans should listen to Another Perfect Day, by the way, Motorhead. Um, it's the closest to a Thin Lizzy album that Motorhead ever <laughs> did. But... Anyway, yeah, it's a great song. It's a classic, and it's got all kinds of attitude, and I love it. And now we're gonna get into the top five. Oh because. yeah, do, do another uh, drum fill, air. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Anyway, I laugh at the stupidest <laughs> things sometimes, but let me do it one yeah. more time.
2: One more time. <laughs> Oh my god! Anyway, that definitely wasn't Brian Downey doing that drum roll. No, no, no. That.
3: Okay, so now we're in the top five, and this was a song I was glad to see broke the top five because this is actually my favorite Thin Lizzy song. Uh really? all, Yeah, yes. this is my favorite Thin Lizzy song. Although, like I said, now I'm wondering if maybe it's getting dangerous. I don't know. It's between this and the, it's getting dangerous. But the but when we made this list, I put this in my number one spot. Uh, so it's one of the reasons why I broke the top five is because of me. Because I love this song from the Black Rose album. It is toughest street in town. Woo! Oh, yeah. This, this goddamn song. I love this song. I've loved it for a long time. It's just, it's kind of like, it's he has a lot of songs like this. Like, we talk about the, the street thug, str- you know, like gang song, the street yeah. thug song. And this to me is the greatest one of them all. Because it's just, it's so catchy. And rocking, and it's it's almost like heavy metal power pop, you know. Yep. It you kind of almost hear like Chief Trick doing this song, and it, it's really catchy. And well, it's almost like in terms of the lyrics, it kind of reminds me of a Renegade song, but it has a punchier, heavier production like Thunder and Lightning. It's it's a really heavy sounding song, but also kind of punk rock and raw. And but it's like bubblegum too. It's like all it's, it's just a classic, catchy hard rocking song. It pumps you up you know whenever i turn on this song it's a perfect like going out at night song like you go go out and fuck shit up (laughs) you know and it's fun it's fun it's like he could do like fun hoodlum music (laughs) like this is this is the kind of music that a bunch of hoods have fun to and party to and and then you can picture them with the nice but it's like west side story but it's but it's tough and badass and you know (laughs) and unlike that it's 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 the real deal, I love it. It's a class song. I know it might be an offbeat choice to have as your favorite Thin Lizzy song, but there's just something about it. To me, it's like the id of Thin Lizzy. This is like everything I love. It's got the rockin', the swagger, the attitude. I just love it. I love the Street in Town. And that's the sound that Gary Moore uh, and, you know, what Scott's doing, the the guitar sound, that distortion. It's just I love the tone. I love the
1: guitar tone. And this song kicks ass. What do you think of it, Steven? Uh, it was not on my list. I was shocked to see it so high, quite honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do again. I, it goes without saying. I lo- I love all the lazy stuff. I love the Black Rose album. There's just others st- that I love more, you know. Yeah. And this, I, this song. I mean, I, I do. I love the song. I know it like the back of my hand, you know. But it's not one of the stronger songs off that album, and um, it's got a very. F- f- For Phil, it's got a very chorus, actually. Um, You know, it's it's not my favourite. I I do like it. I'm not, you know, obviously I like it. Uh, But this whole Black Rose album is very different sounding for me. uh, Yeah,
3: obviously uh, Eric and me like Black Rose album better. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I do listen to it, you know, and I put it on, but it's not one of my most listened to albums. Again, there are certain tracks on there that, you know, Waiting for an Alibi and one. I I, I do
3: that. The waiting uh, for an Albi was like my twenty seventh song. Like that was one that I really had to struggle not to have on this. No, well. me too. It wasn't. It, it didn't make it's my just, list. And I was yeah, a little it. surprised that didn't make it. That's another song that I kind of left off, thinking, "Oh, those two guys
1: will put it on." Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and no I'm one saying. did. <laughs> that's what's weird. It's like it's an amazing song, and yet it wasn't on there. And yeah. uh, it was actually it was number twenty for me on my list. But I was uh, I was glad that do anything. Waiting wasn't. I mean,
3: <laughs> Was the one of the because I would say that and do anything you want to do of the two like most known songs from mm. that album. So I'm glad that I do like do anything more, but I do love No Bike. Al- but I don't. know, Toughest Street in Town. I disagree with you. I think the chorus is catchy. It is simple. I will say I'm not this. Saying it's,
1: I'm not saying it's yeah. not catchy.
3: I'm just saying it's it's, it's just it's very basic. It yeah. is very. I will say this. This is very simple. Like I feel like this is his answer to punk. Like this is a very yeah, simple song, but it's like punk and power pop. It it does it is simple for Thin Lizzy, but to me it's just like, it's just really catchy and just charges me up um, I'm curious, what do you think of Toughest Street in Town, Eric?
2: Oh man, it's a fucking amazing song um, I'm like you, man, I love the Black Rose album, it's amazing and this song, it's fun it's like you said, it's like, this is the kind of song like Hoodlums um, this is the kind of song like Hoodlums listen to to have fun when they go out for a night out of town, picking up chicks and drinking and just having the time of their lives, man. I love this fucking song. Real catchy. It's just there's there's only like I think one song on Black Rose I'm not too crazy about, uh, but this definitely isn't one of them. This is a fucking phenomenal song. I mean I there's not really not much more I can say about that you guys haven't said about it.
3: Alright, so uh number four is a song I think we all had on our list and not surprising it's an i think so anyway i i kind of forget but i did glance i did read all the list but you know a lot of song titles you know not gonna remember them all but man this goddamn song number four from the bad reputation album which i was a little surprised is a little underrepresented um on this list but it is an amazing album i just want to say i do love that album so but this song God damn! I'm so happy it's in the top five. It was uh, very high on my. It was in my top five. Uh, Opium Trail, fucking Opium Trail. Let me lead off on this. Opium Trail is heavy, but yet weird. <laughs> it's like the the sound of this song. It's in a lot of ways. It's like the most menacing sounding song. Like they've had heavier songs, but there's something really dark about the song. You know and obviously it has you know dark subject matter but the, the the effect on Phil's vocals and and the guitar sound like the effects on the guitar and draw it, it, it has a quality to it that's very like well, I say it's unique it's heavy but it's being produced in a odd experimental way you know it doesn't sound like typical heavy metal It really doesn't sound like any other song I've ever heard actually it's a very unique sounding song but it's definitely something I could see a lot of metalheads getting into. But I could also see people that like uh, like alternative rock or you know different kinds of more experimental music liking this song as well. Like I said, it's almost like uh, a little m- mini epic prog metal song, and and it's it's. You can't, you can't, it almost just sound like a song that just happened. Like, it's hard to imagine this song being constructed and written because it just has so much atmosphere to it. And it's another one of these songs kind of foreshadows some of the stuff in the early 80s where it's very cinematic. It's like a little movie that, you know, feels like the narrator. And man, it's just it's dark, evil, awesome tune. Definitely a standout in Dirt Discography. It's, they don't have a song quite like this it's 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 my favorite song from that album and it's one of my
2: favorite Thin Lizzy songs
3: Opium Trail I love it what do you think of it Eric
2: oh man Opium Trail man I fucking love this tune um this is probably my favorite Thin Lizzy song of all time wow um yeah just real epic real heavy um but there's something about it too that's just like you know it stands out it's almost like uh uh, kind of theatrical almost like I could picture this the song being like in a movie or something really cool man love the lyrics you know about you know you know drug dealing and you know with heroin and all this it's kind of fucking cool real uh, you know very theatrical man uh, you know can't really say much else about it man but just amazing guitar work amazing song what do you think Steven um, it did not make my twenty-five. Oh my um, god, like Jesus! It. But I, I do. Are you, <laughs> are you taking heroin to not include it on your <laughs> fucking list? <laughs> but I do
1: love it. No, I do love it. But again, this goes back to what we we're saying that there's so many great Sin Lindsay songs um, that you know. I could tell you. I don't know when we if we go through. I want to. When we've done, I want to tell you not talk about the songs, but just mention. The songs on my list that didn't make it, and you'll all go, "Oh yeah, that's a great." You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very difficult. Uh, I mean, it's a great song. It's not my favourite song on the Bad Reputation album, uh, but it's a very dark song, and I I don't think there's any other Lizzie song like it. Um, It's it's very unusual for Lizzie, just in the whole uh, style and and the 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 whole sound and the lyric. Well, not necessarily the lyric content, because the song about drugs before, but. it's a very unusual song. Let's just put it that way. And on the album, it's definitely different for that album. You know, yeah. Um, you know, considering you know it's got dancing in the moonlight, uh, uh, woman's gonna break your heart. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, and then, yeah, and and then it, yeah, You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a incredible. very diverse
3: album. I do think it's it Bad Reputation's one of their most diverse
1: albums, and that's why it's my second favorite. You know, it's well up there. That that you know that is number two for me for sure. Um, so yeah, great song. It's just you know. Again, if I'd made this list tomorrow, it could have been on there. It just depends when I was making that list. Uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't have put it as high as it is on this list. But I'm, look, I'm, there's no, the, look, unless Boogie Woogie Dance is on this thing, then I'm, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with anything that's on the list. Well, right? yeah, well, it, but it, you it, know what's also interesting? Eric this tried. List, <laughs> <laughs> but but with this, this list was made from 3 of us, but I'll bet you if, there's, if 10 of us did, like you know when you were talking about the Motley Crue one that we did, uh, I was one that put my 25 songs into that list, and um, when you've got like 10-15 people giving you songs, I bet this if we did it with this, it'd be a very different 25.
3: Oh yeah, I think you any extra person you throw in, especially in the case of Thin Lizzy, it would just change a lot, because they have so many different kinds of songs and they're so, so diverse. Yeah and uh, yeah and and so consistent like they had a period there from the mid seventies into the early eighties where all the albums are great and loaded with great songs so yeah they, I think yeah that's but that's what's interesting so obviously we we call it a definitive list but obviously it's not a definitive list There's really you can't have a definitive list with no. but but it's a great way to bring up some deep tracks and things oh, of course. That, yeah, yeah and so we can talk about these wonderful songs. And let's talk about the third song on the list. Uh another one from uh not Steven's favorite album, but an album <laughs> that obviously Eric and I love. So, it pushed this song up from the Black Rose album. And number 3 is Got to Give It Up. I love even just saying that title. Got to Me give too. it up.
2: <laughs>
3: okay. Got to you go first Eric on this one.
2: Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I fucking love this song, man. This is um you know, and Ralph Fierro, like I said, with his, uh you know, his video where he reviewed this album, this was the, you know, obviously I loved, uh, you know, Do Anything You Want to Do, but this is a song that was really, like, holy shit, I really, really need to check out this album, because this song just, like, you ever get that feeling where, like, you know, you hear a song that you never heard before by a band you love, but yet you feel like you've heard it before, That's that's, like, the kind of sense I got from this song, was, like, I had never heard this song before, but yet I felt like I had heard it, like, I had heard it somewhere in the past, um, and it's just, like, this song is just amazing, and, uh, you know, it relates, it, you know, it really hits home with me, because, you know, I had, you know, my, you know, I, I, I was young once, you know, I partied, you know, and maybe took things a little too far with some of the things I was doing, and, uh. Kinda had some problems, and luckily I I overcame them. Some addictions I overcame. Um, This was definitely a song that kind of helped me out through those hard times. Um, It's kind of sad hearing this song though, and you can almost kind of tell it's me Phil writing about you know his you know his demons and his drug use, which you know sadly you know you know he he wasn't able to really give it up or. You know, it was too late for him You know, by the time he tried You know, to quit And, uh, unfortunately, you know Because of that, we You know, Phil Lynott Didn't get to stay with us very long And continue making his amazing music Um, but it's a great song, man And, uh Really touching song for me, you know Cause, you know, I was Luckily able to kinda, you know Overcome a lot of demons in my life With a lot of things I was doing You know, a lot of drug use I used to do back in the day And, uh you know, luckily I'm still still alive and kicking, still doing good, and I kicked a lot of those demons to the curb, man. This is one of them songs that helped me out a lot. I fucking love this song, and, and it's catchy, too. You know, even if you don't have the personal connection to it like I do, it's still a great song, which is a catchy chorus and great guitar work by, you know, Scott and Gary. Uh, what, what do you think of it, Stephen?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a great song. I, I love it. Um, I actually... I prefer the live version of it, because the live version uh, is a little faster, the beginning, the, you know, the intro, um, it's just a faster version of, uh, of the song, which I, I do prefer. Um, and it's, it's, it's very sad, really, because it's almost, it's almost like he, is he talking about himself, I mean, you know, yeah. what he died in the end, like, it's like he was reaching out for help, uh, and he couldn't really get it, you know, so it's, I find it kind of a you know, I love the song, but I find it kind of a sad song as well because, yeah because he's, I see it as he's singing about himself and uh, he knows what he's got to do he knows what he he shouldn't be doing the drugs and yet he does and we all know what happened in the end so it's kind of you know it's a, it's a bit, it's bittersweet but it's a brilliant song and I, you know again the live version I just is, is different it's again Lizzie were very very different live on a lot of songs uh, they just yeah Bed them up or added some solos in there and you know and um, things like that and you know maybe it's just because I, you know I got to, I mean the only real live version I know of it is um, I think on Life Live um you West know,
2: Live or something
1: la, 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 it's for life 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 and yeah. oh um, yeah and, and you know that's really I'm sure there's other versions out there but that's the one I'm referring to when I clear the live version but yeah, it's, I mean, come on, it's a, it's a classic. I mean, it's amazing. It's, you know, I'm not going to complain about where it's placed in, in, in the top 25. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, uh, I love this song. I had it, uh, of course, in my top 25. I love this album and this song. Like you, know, you already said a lot, Eric, you know, about the song and and Stephen about it is a kind of a sad song because obviously it's a song where he's singing to himself, you know, trying to tell him to kick drugs and. And you know, but even if someone loses a fight, you know, like a song, like any piece of art, it's like something frozen in time, and it's like the fight is still a noble fight, you know, and it's like, you know, he, he was fighting against his own demons and his own addictions and and maybe for a bit he was winning. Just when he was writing the song, you know, you know? That's what it sounds like. It's like he he was kind of beating his demons for which eventually they would win out. But for a bit there, he kind of had the edge on them, and that's so. There's still something kind of uplifting about the song, and it could still inspire you. And it sounds like it inspired you, Eric. And that's the thing, you know. And and at the same time, it's it is just really catchy. Not to like undermine the song and its message, but that's the genius of Phil Lynott's songwriting is that he can write this kind of dark song about drug addiction and needing to, you know, kick the habit, and make it just a really catchy, snappy fun rock and roll song. Yeah. And it's so catchy. And Thin Lizzy just has catchy song after catchy song, and it's one of their catchiest, in my opinion. And... Yeah, it's also so unique, too, because it's hard-rocking, but again, it has that soul influence. There is kind of an R&B quality to it, and especially how he kind of sings it. You've know, got to give it up. There's something kind of funky about it, too. Exactly. It's, it's both funky and hard-rocking at the same time, and everyone knows me knows I love when things are funky and hard-rocking at the same time, <laughs> and it's great. It's classic. I was very happy when I saw that this did so well, and then I'm going to let you take number two, Eric.
2: Number two, what is it? It is none other than the John Sykes Thunder and Lightning song, none other than fucking Cold Sweat, and, you know, Steven, you are talking way earlier in the episode about, you know, um, obviously, you know, John Sykes really wasn't involved in a lot of the writing of Thunder and Lightning, but I believe this was one of the songs that John yes. Sykes contributed. Yeah, well. and man, you can tell because this is probably this is probably their most metal song. Um, this sounds like some shit that could have been on like a Tigers of Pang Tang album or maybe like with Blue Murder. This song just fucking rules. I I love those lyrics. Like you know, put some money in a suitcase and head out to the big race. Like I I get that feeling of just like John Sykes and. Phil Lynott, man, they just committed this, you know, bank robbery, and now they're running out to Vegas, you know, and, you know, on the run from the law, and they're gonna go out to Vegas, and they're gonna party with all this money they got, you know, It just fucking love this tune, man, Sykes just tears it the fuck up on guitar, and John Sykes, man, very underrated guitar player, fucking amazing guitar player great songwriter as well because i I love that first blue murder album i love obviously his work with uh tigers um really underrated i i really hope you know he starts coming back because i know he put out a single um recently and i I thought it was pretty good you know i listened to it not the greatest thing but i thought it was pretty good and I, i just really hope he comes back out man even if he doesn't release new music just at least he comes back out and tours again just you know, plays his music that's, you know, really amazing in my opinion um, for, you know, audiences. Uh, phenomenal song in my top three for Thin Lizzy songs. Uh, the, the, the Edwin, you go next. What yeah, you think I, of Cold Sweat?
3: I love it, of course. How could you not love Cold Sweat? This song is just so rock and roll. So it was very unique. In some ways, it sounds like more of a Sykes song than a Lynette yeah. song You know um, Even more so than the other songs on this album But it works and obviously Phil does a great job singing it And gives it that attitude and stuff But yeah this is all of uh, amazing, Amazing guitar solos One of the great early 80s heavy metal guitar solos uh, Blue Murder does do a live version Did you ever listen to the the, the Phil Lynette tribute Live yeah. album that they did Odd Boys did, Live
2: yeah. did, did you listen to that Eric I have not heard that one. There's another, uh, I think it's called, like, and Blue Murder. I've heard that one. I'm not sure if he plays Cold Sweat on that one, but, uh... Yeah, yeah. And this
3: other one he definitely plays Cold Sweat, and he sings. It. And he actually, it one thing, Sykes is an underrated vocalist. He, could, he had amazing some real,
2: vocalist. He had some
3: real pipes on him, and he does a great version. I, I well, would go with the Thin Lizzy version as my favorite, but that's a close second. That on that Blue Murder live album, it, it's a great version, and you know he tears it up. You know, playing it, you can tell he really loves playing the song and doing that solo. And yeah, it's one of the great. It should have been much bigger hit you know it's too bad that they didn't get the promotion you know this should have been like a big crossover metal hard rock single you know to me this fits in with the a lot of stuff that's going on and even even not you know not just uh, the new wave of british heavy metal but also like what was going on you know in america like early crew and twisted sister and quiet riot and stuff like that like you know that that wave of music feels like cold sweat fits right in with that stuff it's it's an awesome song i was very happy to see it so high on this list and you know because you know we are a rock and roll hard rock heavy metal podcast so you know one of their most metal rock and roll songs should be up and it's cold sweat it's awesome i love it what do you think of it steven
1: uh yeah come on it's a classic I, i i said earlier on i remember um I remember I in the summer I guess it was a summer time when it came out because I was I remember working at my grandfather's uh, business which was an auctioneer's uh, that's what my family business was and I used to work in the in the sales room and I remember I was in the room by myself and I had a radio on and it was doing the countdown the top 20 or whatever and, and it says a new, you know Lizzy, and it's the first time I heard it and I was like holy crap and I went over to the radio, and I was like, "Wait!" This, this. And I was—I guess I was like 13 at the time, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And uh, and then when Karang—I think it was Karang—came out, or one of the magazines, it had um, you know a picture of Thin Lizzy, and then it had the lyrics. You know, and back then, you know, it was all oh, right. Got the lyrics sheet and all that because you know we didn't have the internet and just yeah. Google it and stuff. <laughs> and um, it was just fantastic. And they—I remember they really promoted this song. Um, it was. They were on a lot of TV shows, you know, kids' TV shows, um, late night shows. You know, they were playing it. There's quite a bit out there of them playing this song, and ah, yeah. that, oh, that guitar solo is unbelievable. I think one of my favourite um, psych solos, yeah. and I don't think he's underrated, by the way. I think he's very, he's well rated in the you know, in the rock community. It's just he's he's become a hermit. He's just disappeared, and he just hasn't done anything for years.
2: He's probably raking in a ton of money
1: from that white stuff. Oh, hundred
2: Yeah, hundred um, percent.
1: But he's—I heard that new song that he did, and I didn't really
2: care for it. Um, I thought it was okay. Definitely not up to yeah. the standards of what he usually does. but yeah. I, thought, I thought it was okay. You know, I did I, I think
1: you know he might be better in a in in a group setting as opposed to a solo artist. Yeah, because you know, think. Yeah, I mean, you know what he's done with Coverdale and what he did with with lineup, You know. Um, but yeah, yeah. going back to the song, just, I mean, it's just a brilliant song, the, the, you know, it's, it's a very simple song, you know, chorus, riff, chorus, you know, that kind of thing, um, but yeah, it's fantastic, yeah, I mean, brilliant song, well, I'm not saying it wouldn't be number two for me, because I'm, you know, being older, the newer Thunder and Lightning, as much as I love every song on the album, um, it is, a, a, like I said earlier, it is a different a departure for Lizzie. Lizzy so yeah and as much as I love it and as much as I love that song and I think you know I think that's why you you know you being younger maybe you go more to that metal side of Lizzie. well yeah. I, I grew yeah. up with you know jailbreak Johnny the Fox you know and bad reputation so that's what's in my heart again I, I you know if we'll discuss afterwards there's a bunch of thunder lightning songs that didn't make it onto this top 25 which are just spectacular you know um so yeah great 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 song so all yeah.
3: right so we're going into number 1 so we need one more drum roll eric <laughs> <laughs> It's Stephen. You've been our special, very special guest on this very epic and very long, even two part. This is still long. We still got a three hours. <laughs> uh, so you've been a very special guest, but I love your stories. And of course, we need you to kill this. This is Thin Lizzy, and you're the chief number one uh, Thin Lizzy nut swinger in the RMCP army. So of course, it had to be you. So thank you so much, Stephen, for joining us to do this. Yeah. really appreciate it. And I think you need to lead off, Stephen, number one, because you're a special guest. And number one,
1: what is it, Stephen? Well, your number one for this top 25 is my number one song of all time.
2: Wow! Hell yeah, that worked out perfectly. (laughs) It actually lined up.
1: (laughs) It actually lined up. Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed, which, oh my god, this song... I just got goosebumps just mentioning it now. My arm there and my arms just went up. This song is unbelievable. The, every single aspect of this song is killer. The The lyrics, the storyline. We were talking about Phil's you know, bass, uh, the way he played. The drumming in this is ridiculous. Um, and the guitar solos in this. This has got swagger. It's rock. It's funk. I mean, you you name it. It, it's it's in this song and you know it's funny when i play this song sometimes um i sometimes i'm out in the car and if i see a car pull up behind me or next to me and they've got the windows open and i'm blasting my music i'll actually put you know i'll quickly put on this song cuz that intro to this song just grind down his drum beat just to get the song going i, I have to crank it up and i always get a reaction from people looking at me uh, and i'm like hey i just I cannot get over how much I love this song, and this song is actually, there was a, um, a you know, Phil grew up, or well, had, you know, has an affiliation with Manchester. His um, his mother actually owned a hotel in Manchester back in the oh. day, and when Phil was on tour or when, when he was coming to town, he would come and he would stay at the hotel, and they used to have after parties, and a lot of, like, famous rock stars and sports personalities would all go to... This hotel and party after hours. And, um, there was a, a gang back in the day called the Quality Street Gang. I think that's what they was called, the Quality Street. And they were, you know, they were drug guys and pimps and, you know, you name it, all that kind of stuff. And that is actually what this song is about. It's about the Quality Street Gang uh, in Manchester. And, um, so, you know, it has that connection being about my hometown. And, um, Yeah, this song i I, and there's there's one little part in this song as well, um, where you hear Bill uh, Phil just like slide on his bass, um, just I can't I can't even tell you what part if you listen to it closely, he only does it in one part of the song and it just jumps out to me and I just love it, but every single thing about this song, uh, I never I must have heard this song a million times and i never get bored of it and if i'm just if i'm in the car for a few minutes and i want to put lizzie on this is the song that i go to and i crank it every every time it's absolutely spectacular
3: righteous right on so what do you think of this great song eric oh
2: man this song fucking rules and uh it's it's cool that you know because we've been talking about thin lizzie how they're a band that you know paints with so many different shades and so many colors And it's great that, like, the number one song is this one because this is so, like, so different. This is not your hard rockin' kind of song. It's so funky and groovy and it's sexy. Um, I love this tune. And I'll tell you what, man, anyone listening to this episode, I mean, if you've made it this far, uh, you're awesome. And you're probably a hardcore Thin Lizzy fan or you're an open-minded person that wants to get into Thin Lizzy. If you're listening to this, grab a pen and paper. If you're having trouble making love to your woman or getting your girl in the mood, play this fucking song, because this song is sexy. I get a boner every time I hear this fucking song, because it's so fucking sexy. Just so groovy, so funky, and just... God, it just gets me in the fucking mood, man. I love this tune. And if you ever, too, get the chance, there's a YouTube video. There's this... um, I wish I wrote down the name of his channel, but I forgot to write it down in my notes. There's this, like, uh, this black dude who he, like, does reaction videos to, like, hard rock and heavy metal songs. And there's a video of him just listening to this song. He's just, like, gets into it so much and it's just so awesome. Like, man, one thing I love, I love when you see, you know, you know, black people, like, listening to hard rock, heavy metal music and just seeing them get into it and loving it. Cause man, you know, you know that when you hear about you know black people, or you know black friends I've had that love heavy metal, sometimes it's like you know they kind of take a lot of crap for like listening to that music from you know, you know different you know different people, you know. So it's just something I really love. I love seeing like you know them like you know embrace this kind of music and get into it. It's just so fucking cool, man. And just seeing this guy listening to this song, just really getting into it. I love all of his videos, man. He listens to. Lizzie Borden, Wasp, all these great bands, he just always just gets so into it, and he's just so, like, just seeing the joy on his face listening to these, like, listening to these songs is just fucking phenomenal, I love it, man, it's a feel-good video, um, this is a feel-good song, man, I fucking love it, Edwin, why don't you take the final song in our list, Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed. Okay, I love this song I did not
3: have it Nearly as high As you guys In fact It was uh, 24 But It was a strong 24 I mean like Yeah 25 And It was It was funny Because You know Yeah It wasn't as high As I put You guys put it on The list But At the same time When I saw it At number one When Ryan You know Gave me the list I smiled And I thought Oh well, that's a pretty cool Number one <laughs> It's definitely An offbeat kind of choice But that's yeah. That's that makes it like a rock all over you podcast choice you know (laughs) uh it's a wonky choice and i like wonkiness because it's an offbeat song but it's an awesome song i love this song so even though i didn't have it that high i'm i'm proud to say that we have a list where it's the number one thin lizzy song you know it's definitely not for people that had their first beer you know uh, It's funky It's sexy All the things You you know You guys have said And that's the thing It's like I love those songs Where it straddles the line Between R&B and hard rock and Especially because You know me I love a lot of, Especially a lot of 70s R&B and funk And this song You know And this is like The two sides Again You know You, you were talking about The race thing Eric And that's the thing You know yeah. Phil was a mixed race guy So he had He liked the rock and roll, but he also loved funk and soul. Exactly. And a song like this, he hits it right down right straight down the middle. Straight down the middle. It's there. Amazing bass line. Amazing you know, the drumming, everything. Everything's great. It's just got that thing that the, the sound of the guitar. I love the production on this album. It just there, the oh, dun, amazing dun, 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 dun. It's almost like hip hop a little bit too. You know, it has yeah. that has that attitude. As the a, 80s hip hop sound. Yeah, it's got that swagger and attitude, and it's jivey and all the things—the great things we've been saying about Phil Lynott. This man is a street poet. Jive talking, fucking love it. I like foxes too. I think they're cool animals. I'm a fan of the fox. obviously. So, so I just <laughs> like Johnny the Fox is cool and yeah, meets Jimmy the Weed. It's awesome. It's jivey. It's awesome. I love it. I think it's an awesome song to have it number one it's very cool Stephen, that you have it number one and i didn't know about that manchester connection so that was very cool to hear and that's it that is our woo, top Damn, thin lizzie talk about a saint patrick's fucking palooza <clears throat> Ooh, <laughs> okay, real. so what we're going to do now, this is instead of having Picks of the Week, and I know Steven wants to do this. So this, this is the guidelines, though, because we don't want this video
2: going too much longer, all right? Yeah, my wife's uh, already asleep. She's probably getting pissed at me, so we'll try and yes. make this fast. But.
3: So you can say all the songs that didn't make your list, but the only one that you can kind of talk a little bit about in detail is the highest one that didn't make the
1: list. All right, Steven? Is that oh, the I ground rules? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first Alright, so I'm just going to list the songs We won't talk about them until I get to the last one Okay, Okay. so At 25, I had Leave This Town from the Renegade album 24, Fighting My Way Back Brilliant song 23, Running Back from Jailbreak 22, The Rocker I can't believe no one put that in there 21, We Will Be Strong from Chinatown 18, Mexican Blood from Renegade 15 is actually only on the live album but I also had it on the B-side of 19 it's called The Night in the Life of a Blue Singer which is just amazing 14 for me was Rosalie the Live and Dangerous version 13 was Holy War from Thunder and Lightning 11 I can't believe it didn't make the list was Still in Love with You from Live and Dangerous and my number one well it was number 8 for me that didn't make it on the list the top one was Dear Lord from Bad Reputation, which is just, I just find a very chilling um, song, really. Just, it's about, well, it's really about suicide, and, um, you know, I guess like asking for forgiveness and, and, and whatever, and just going to heaven, and I just like the choir that kind of, well, not really a choir, but like the vocals that that, that come in, you know, that chorus of vocals that introduce the song, uh, just a, a beautiful song but a, but a sad song at the same time um, so yeah th- those are my my songs that, uh, that didn't make the list
2: all right and Eric what about you oh man so um, I'll tell you this um, there, there is like you know I could easily pick my song that you know is the highest on my list that didn't make the countdown but I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different route here. I'm gonna pick an album that was not even represented at all on this list, and I was <laughs> so heartbroken by it. Now I talked about how I didn't really like the album "Renegade," um, and it, it's not that I hate the album. I I just you know, it's lacking something for me, and maybe it's like you guys said. You know, you guys are a little bit older than I am and have had you know more time to absorb that album. Maybe I just don't get it yet. Maybe I gotta give it a couple more listens, but. Um, as far as Snowy, uh, you know, Snowy, you know, goes on guitar, Snowy White, um, well, I don't really care much for Renegade. I fucking love Chinatown. There's some great songs on there, so I'm just gonna go ahead and put the whole album Chinatown yeah. on there. Go listen to the fucking Chinatown. That album fucking rules. I love it. It's a great album. Amazing fucking album. And I'll tell you what, since that album was even Represented, I'll tell you what, Steven, next time we. You know, probably the next time we bring you on here, next time we review Thin Lizzy, that'll probably be like our album review. We'll uh, have to I'll review that right album now. in the future.
3: Next St. Patrick's Day, next year, yep. we'll bring you on and we'll do Chinatown. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Chinatown will end up getting more represented. Exactly. <laughs> and I
0: do like that album a lot. I think
3: Great it's album. Really good. Um, I, like I said, if. It is my least favorite of the classic albums, but I do really like it a lot. I don't love it as much as you. It's like it's the, kind of the opposite. It's like I, it's like flipped. Like I think Renegade has that extra nuance and character, and and, and Chinatown's just um, you know it, it. It sounds like another Thin Lizzy album. It doesn't really mm-hmm. break out and defo- distinguish itself quite as much as the other albums, in my opinion. But you yeah. know what? I'll listen to it. Several more times before we review it next year and maybe my opinion will change.
0: <laughs> I will
3: just say a little shout out to a couple of songs that didn't make it that I had on my list. The Sun Goes Down. I love that song. It's the odd man out on the Thunder and Lightning album. It's the mellow song, but I love that. Uh It's Only Money, a funky tune from uh, Nightlife, which I really love. It's got that R and B flavor. Uh, also Rocky, which I felt was strange, like I said, that Johnny made the list and not Rocky. I really love that song. And the title track from Black Rose, A Rock Legend. Well, kind of a title track. It's also, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the Gallic right, but like, was it Rosen Doblin
2: or something? <laughs> right. Do you I know?
3: think it's pronounced, <laughs> pronounced Rosen Doblin.
2: Roshan Dove.
3: So, Roshan Dove, in parentheses, Black Rose, colon, A Rock Legend, is an ad mouthful. And then if you actually look at the album itself, it's actually broken up into several different parts. To me, this is like, maybe after Emerald, like the ultimate St. Patrick's Day song. It's so <laughs> Irish sounding. It's like they double down. They, they make it even more Irish chicky. God damn, Ian Wadley really hates this song. It's even more Irish than Emerald, and it is based on um, a traditional uh, like folk Irish song. But they do their Thin Lizzy stuff. You get to hear Gary Moore. Along with Scott doing the Irish Jake stuff, and he does it good. He does a really good job. You think you would think this guy was playing in Thin Lizzie throughout all of the 70s, like you know he does a really good job. And there's just something I like this song even more than Emerald because I don't know. There's just something kind of dark and magical about this song, and I love it. And it's it's a great way to end this album. You know, I just think Black Rose is a really strong album that that it's very it takes you on a trip and it's very cinematic. And this song is epic. And, like, what I would always tease Stephen about, about later Iron Maiden songs, I feel like this is kind of what they're trying to do, but it's already been done to perfection. Like, Finn Lizzy did, with Emerald and then this song, they did, like, the ultimate Celtic heavy metal epic song. So, like, you just can't top it. You can't top their versions of those, that kind of song. But anyway, so, happy St. Patrick's Day,
1: and, uh... Well, hang on, hang on. uh, Wait, Edwin, you asked me to remind you you had a question for me about Bon Jovi.
3: Okay, yes. Yeah, so well, this is oh, another yeah. ep- Between Th- Thin Lizzy episodes, sometime maybe in the summertime, would you like to come on and review a Bon Jovi album? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> I thought you were gonna, it was about Thin Lizzy. Uh,
1: yeah, of course. I love
3: it. Yeah, now, now, now keep in mind... Yeah, you I know. ...you're going to be making fun of this album.
1: That's fine. Uh, you, you, uh, listen, music is... It's personal. I mean, I have... I mean, whatever. Not everybody. Listen, I can't believe people don't like Lizzie, but there you go. They, they do. So you know, I have no problem with someone not liking something <laughs> I like. <laughs> um, Although we're, we're doing I'll an like album it. I actually never listened to, so we're gonna.
2: I
3: thought then, it'd be fun to do seven, eight zero zero Fahrenheit.
1: Oh, really? That's like one of. Okay. <laughs> oh, 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 this
3: is great! We're gonna have to make Steve's
1: gonna insult Bon Jovi.
3: No,
1: no. <laughs> Here's I the mean, thing. It's all right. It's just it's not my it's not my favorite. I mean, some other albums, I'll come out swinging from the court. You know what I mean? But that one, they were just getting into. You know, they were still finding themselves. But yeah, yeah, I,
2: I, I'm game for it. soon the And it's good. It's good for the summertime. It's hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're well. still finding themselves. Well, they're. I guess they're still searching. So, well, here's so, the thing, though. <laughs> here's the thing, though. That album, I- I'm gonna save my opinions on. But two the two of the Bon Jovi songs I actually really fucking love are on that album. So it'll be fun. it'll probably be a little interesting.
3: Well, that's what I thought, and I never actually listened to it. My brother had the cassette of it. He was a Bon Jovi fan, but he never played it much. Like he always played, you know, like the the two big hits, like Jer- New Jersey and Slippery When Wet. And right. this one was kind of like the dark horse. Bon Jovi album that I remember seeing the cassette for, but my brother never played it, and I wasn't really into Bon Jovi, so I never he swiped it like I would swipe his Doc and Cinderella uh, cassettes, which I liked better, because I had good taste as a kid. So, mm. <laughs> as a child, I had good taste. Even as a child, I was like, ah, I don't like Bon Jovi. But, uh, I liked one song, but we'll say that for the Bon Jovi uh, episode. So yeah, definitely sometime in the summer we want you back, Stephen, and we're gonna talk some fucking Bon Jovi. <laughs> Hell yeah,
2: that's good.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for coming. It was awesome. I think it was pretty awesome. What do you think? I just, here?
2: I think this is an epic episode. Definitely gotta have Stephen back on and uh yeah i want to thank everyone that has made it this far in the episode in part two of this episode and i hope you join us next week when we'll be talking about some judas priest next so stay tuned awesome later guys good night everyone
1: thanks guys Bye, -bye.
2: bye-bye